Welcome to episode 142 of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. And this week I have an Iron Maiden story for you that you are sure to enjoy. A new friend of the show. And as you will remember, a friend that appeared with us just recently. Mark in Australia. This week, you may be very sad to know that Kirsty is not here. And... Matthew, when I told him that Kirsty wasn't going to be here, started saying he was holding out for more money, and I don't have any more money, so he's just not here this week. <laughs> so I think instead of making you wait to hear what I listen to and all those good things, let's just get right into my new friend Mark's story and hear all the coolness that goes on there, and then after that, you can... Stick around and hear the rest of it if you'd like. We don't know just what we have till we've lost it. Until that time comes, I know that it's gone, 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 gone. So hard to say things that we should have heard long ago. Tear myself from thoughts in my head, 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 All right, welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, and you're going to be really excited because we did our infomercial on Iron Maiden stories a month ago or whatever, and lo and behold, the very first new Iron Maiden story in a long time is here, other than, you know, uh, Cousin Steve that was on the phone. Uh, I have Mark in Central Australia on the line with me. Mark, sir, how are you? How are you, Uncle Steve? Very well, thank you. Good day, mate. I just said good day, mate. <laughs> yeah, no. Maybe in the 1980s you do that, but not now. <laughs> <laughs> well, as most people know, Mark has been listening to me talk for about 90 minutes so far. <laughs> we've been we've been sharing, but uh, I, it's hard to uh, not want to chat when you're chatting about something you love, which is music, and, and we both share that. Absolutely. So, mm. so I'm... You're in Central Australia. You said you told me you were born. Now, I want, 
I want you to say this because when you said this a little earlier, I was it perked my ears because I know Matt will be paying attention to this. <laughs> tell me where you were born and then tell me where you grew up. Well, I was born in Sydney and mm-hmm. I grew up in Melbourne. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I grew up <laughs> no, I grew up in Melbourne, so um, okay. until I finished school. Yeah. And then I moved back to Sydney. Uh, yeah, when I was eighteen. Earlier yeah, you said so. earlier it sounded like you were saying Melbourne. A little bit, and I was going, "Oh wow, Matt's gonna, Matt's gonna, that's gonna perk his ears." He he crucified <laughs> no, no, me over that for a while. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So yeah. well, it, oh, yeah. So in the land down under, which is what we would call it, what do you call the states from over there? Um, oh, the U.S. or oh, the states? <laughs> okay, you don't. Y'all wouldn't say the land down over, so no. up over, down under, <laughs> and up over. <laughs> No, definitely the States. Cool, cool. Well, we've been chatting for a long time, and um, so we, we've we covered, gosh, we've covered, let's see, we've covered Metallica, we've covered Iron Maiden, we've covered Judas Priest, we've covered Wasp, we've covered, uh, what was the name of the death metal band you said? Oh, uh, Entombed. Entombed. So we've been all over the map here. So Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne, of course. So what we're going to do now is get into... Uh, Iron Maiden, a little bit more Iron Maiden, but we're going to go around the block to get there, though. So, sure. So, so start you off here because it was around the age of 15 when you started getting into metal, but before you were, before you got to age 15 and that, tr- that change happened, what kind of music had you been introduced to by your family and friends? And like, what were you listening to about that time? Um, well, actually, just before metal, I was full on my first band that I absolutely fell in love with was Queen. And okay. um, I was, at, at, you know, all 15 albums, absolutely, I've stayed with them basically the whole time until, you know, until they, they finished. But that was the first band I absolutely fell in love with. And actually, that's the first band I actually ever saw live, which was which was um, only about two and a half weeks before, you know, um, Iron Maiden World Slavery Tour, you know, in Melbourne. So I saw Queen in 85, which was in mid-April. Uh, okay. And that was absolutely blew me away it was you know it was unbelievable that was a uh, yeah that that was just an amazing show and then two and a half weeks later it was um it was iron maiden so i'd sort of obviously gotten (laughs) heavy metal by then but queen for a few years before that that was my first sort of first first band yeah and uh, not all the main you know not all the main hit songs that everybody knows it was never that sort of stuff it was more all the other stuff on the albums that people never hear Oh yeah, um, which was yeah, which is absolutely full on, really, really good band. Yeah, at least they were. Was the, was that after the big show that they did at like Wembley Stadium or whatever, where they kind of had their comeback? No, same tour. So that was the Works tour. And anyone who's seen the movie, it's sort of a little bit wrong because have you seen the movie? I did, yeah, I did see the movie. Yeah, you know how they have this big build up as if they're coming back from um before they play Wembley as if they're coming back from a massive hiatus or a big break or whatever and sure and it's a big oh they get together and I mean that didn't happen because I saw them just before that in in you know in in 85 um so and it was still huge. They were actually in the middle of a really long tour they'd done Rock in Rio um on that tour which ah. was huge yeah so so it was part of that tour the works tour um and so yeah that's obviously chronologically not right the movie but of course, sure, sure. You, know, you get that with uh, the artistic right. or whatever. Oh yeah. Call it. So, so yeah, yeah, Queen. But it's funny. I remember. This, I shouldn't be saying this on on an Iron Maiden podcast, but I still remember <laughs> when Thriller came out, Michael Jackson, 
And I still remember being in a bus with headphones shoved into my ear listening to um, that first song, I just want to be starting something and thinking, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. And just, you know, just, just, but that was, that was actually this, you know, just noise. It was just it, beautiful sounds. So you, you can't uh, deny, I mean, Michael Jackson, whether people like him or not, I wasn't ever a big fan, but I mean, his songs are really good. I mean, you can't deny, yeah. you know, there's, there's one thing to say, I don't like it, but, or listen to it, but there's another thing to say it's terrible. I mean, he was he was fantastic yeah. back then. My sister, that was my one of my sisters. She loved, she had that album Thriller. And yeah. I was listening to Kiss and Wasp, and she's listening to Thriller. <laughs> yeah. Well, I never had any anything else by like I was I wasn't a Michael Jackson fan, but I remember that album and somebody saying, listen to it. I listened to it, you know, once and I thought that's good, listen to it again. And then there was just a handful of songs of it was just that mm-hmm. sort of musical thing where it just perked up before that music wasn't really that important. So I guess I would have been 14 or something. And it was just like, wow, I, knew, I understood the sort of the power of music, I guess. And um, That's yeah. cool. But that's, that's cool that you had a realization. Yeah. yeah you know, of, hey, music's important. Music's a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so it was wonderful. But then, obviously, the whole world opened up with, with heavy metal, yeah. which was fantastic. Yeah. So, so tell me this, because you, you, this is how you, you said it in your email, and you said that you had heard bits and pieces of things that led you to go buy your first Iron Maiden cassette. So what did you hear? Like what led you to it? And then what was that first cassette? Well, I, I, it was bits and pieces of so many things. Like I remember, you know, Motley Crue, Shadow of the Devil, things like that came out. There was Judas Priest, um, of course, like um, Screaming for Vengeance, Except um, mm-hmm. uh, Balls of the Wall and um, Breaker and Restless and Wild. And there were all these sort of bands I was starting to hear. And I heard Killers, and and but I didn't. It's such a blur at that time because it sure it was so much in such a short period of time. But I remember um, Power Slave obviously came out mid '84, and and it was not long after that that I got the tape. I didn't. I didn't actually buy it, but somebody gave it to me, and it was mm-hmm. obviously a cassette because I remember opening up and the cassette was clear. You know the writing. Yeah. You know, so you could see through it. And yeah. you'd, the whole outlay, you know, inlay would come out and you'd be able to unwrap the whole thing. And I remember sitting on, in Melbourne, we've got trams. Um, and I remember sitting on the tram and putting my putting my headphones in. And when Aces High came on, it was just unbelievable. It was an explosion of music. Even though I'd, I don't know why it seemed so much louder. I'd been hearing heavy metal, but it was always on like ghetto glasses or, or you put the tape in and you just listen to it. This was pushed into my ears and... I, just the solos, the guitars. I was just like, my God! Straight away, I knew this is what I what I wanted to listen to. And, oh yeah, um, yeah. And I think over the next three or four months, that was what I just absorbed absolutely everything. You know, I just and you, you, Uncle Steve, you you probably know. Like um, back then, you know, with tapes. I mean, you would everyone was circulating tapes. You know, you you would do tape to tape, and you'd give that to a friend, and then you get three in yeah. return, and you'd tape them and it wasn't pirating. That was how it was done. And the bands loved it, obviously, because they were, they were getting known. So, sure. you know, you're getting like 10, 15 albums a week and just nonstop listening to them. And um, it was, yeah, it was, it was just amazing time, actually. It was just wonderful. It was such a, oh, yeah, such a, a, an opening. And it gave me an outlet, a, outlet and, um, and just something to focus on and just something to enjoy and have your small little, group of mates at school they're in that same little they understand and they know yeah and you're sharing all this music and it was just really really exciting you know yeah it was a great time 
it, it's wild to think that it, it's weird to think because we were talking earlier about Ozzy and I was telling you about a couple of albums and how I just heard them in the past week and you're like, wow, I can hear the excitement in your voice. It's wild to think that, you know, 30 plus years ago, there was a time when the whole world of music opened up to us, like none of it, we didn't have any of it. It's harder now to find something that's yeah, new for yeah. us. And back then everything was new and it's, it's trying to figure out like you're trying everything. Cause you don't know what at this point, I don't know what I do and don't like. And yeah, yeah. so what other bands you said, cause you said that um, you kind of absorbed everything at that point. So what yeah. other bands were like the really hard hitters for you at that point that you were just like, Oh my gosh, I love this too. Well, this is the beauty too, because I think now they, this day and age, there's, you know, certain like metal core, heavy metal, death metal, you know, uh, speed metal. There's so many different yeah. types of metal that sort of people have one or whatever. And, but back then it did not matter. You know, it, it was that, well, for, this is my experience, obviously, and, and my friends, it didn't yeah. matter. Like, so Motley Crue, you know, looking at what they wear and all that sort of stuff and Metallica being huge. I mean, Metallica, when they only had their first two albums out um, and that's all you had to listen to, you just switch between them and just go nuts. But, you know, Sabbath, <laughs> obviously Priest, like, except, I loved Except, the Halloween, Motorhead, Dio, uh, Venom. Like, so Venom were obviously, like, black metal and quite heavy. They started black metal, but... You're listening to Venom, and then straight away I turn the tape over, and you'd be listening to Scorpions, you know, or, or something <laughs> like that, or Anthrax and Megadeth, Twisted Sister, Kiss, yeah. ACDC, Slayer, and um, it di- it didn't matter how, like, especially Slayer back then with, uh, you know, um, um, Show No Mercy and was all this sort of, you know, satanic, yeah. satanic sort of imagery and everything, and sure. then to the absolutely totally like, you know, opposite, but it didn't sort of seem to matter back then. So it was just all metal, and it was just all, all, um, yeah, all really exciting. See that that's interesting because <clears throat> for me, you know, I started out, and you know, I'm sure you've heard it, you know, with Kiss and Wasp, and you know, bands that were, you know, Rat, Motley Crue, stuff like that. And yeah. I can remember, I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast or not, but I remember a friend of mine and it would have had to have been 86. Cause I remember he was listening to master of puppets and you know, yeah. I was still into kiss and you know, I was in a certain realm. I wasn't as br- my, my musical like metal and stuff wasn't as broad yet. Like I wasn't into the heavier, like anthrax or stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. I remember him playing master of puppets for me. And I was, and I remember basically I was like, that sucks. I will. I said, <laughs> I don't like it. I said, I will never like that kind of stuff. And I, and I remember telling him this, I said, I would be embarrassed to tell anybody that I listened to that, you know? And then you fast, fast forward, like, uh, before, before Cliff died. Yeah. I was head over heels over master of puppets already. (laughs) It's it's funny to think of how quick it shifted, but it's, it's like, that's really good that you were that open-minded. So, well, Uncle Steve, it's funny because you, when you were telling me about how you would never listen to Master of Puppets, I was just thinking, get half an hour ago, you were playing me live battery from last night, live at the, you know. The, that was the, Disposable um, Heroes. Uh, disposable Heroes, sorry. Yeah. The album, though, and yeah. you were so excited about it. So that's, that's, that's hilarious. But that, that's how wonderful it is. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> that was incredible. I, I've never, I know you told me that Metallica's been playing that, but I never had heard it live. I just was like, like they started playing it, I was like, I was like, oh my god! I just they were just playing it. I was like, 
because they were the opening band, and I just thinking, oh, okay. But gosh, yeah. they played. Um, they also played Blackened. Oh, that's which I was like, you know, they did a little intro part, you know, that little fade in part, and then mm. dun, 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 and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. So it was yeah. it was a lot of. Um, now, like I told you, I was going to hit on a few random things before sure. I start hammering on Iron Maiden, but there's something that you said in your email to me that I really, I never read this. I've never read anyone say this before, but I wanted to ask you about it because I thought it was very interesting what you said. You mentioned the true smell of metal to you. So <laughs> explain that because I thought that was you know, there's certain things that you all that we associate with other things, and and so tell me about this. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we all wear obviously t-shirts and have patches and all that sort of stuff. But uh-huh. um, back when, like, you know, in the mid '80s, uh, '84, you know, '85, we're fully into it. When when you wanted to get a t-shirt or a patch, you know, you'd have to actually go to a shop that that actually ironed on, you know, the the the, the stickers or the on the t-shirts. So you could right. actually take a t-shirt, buy a t-shirt from a shop and take it there, and then look up on the wall and and um, oh, ride the lightning or or you know theater yeah. or whatever it is and and um, choose it, and then they go out in the back, and you'd be sitting there waiting for ten minutes, and they'd be obviously pressing it, and you can smell it, you can smell the the the, the plastic or whatever it is melting sure. on the shirt, and you come out with it, and it's, the shirt was hot, you know, yeah, flat from the press, and it just. That smell for me, like that just my first ever, I got a battle jacket, which, uh, you know, my mum took me down to the army disposal store to, to buy. And, and my first, or my, my, um, the, the patch that I put in the back was the Trooper Iron Maiden. And I was just, you know, so proud to go and get that pressed and done and then go home and sew it onto my jacket. But that, that smell has never left me, you know. And I think actually my first t shirt that I got, I've got pressed was also the Trooper. Um, and my, my poor sister, she'd be, she was so embarrassed. She was like five or six years older than me. And so I was like 15, 14, 15. And in, <laughs> this is in Melbourne growing up. And Melbourne can be quite cold, you know, especially in winter. It's really, really cold. And yeah. um, we were, had to go and walk the dog. And we went, went for a walk. And I've got my, my T-shirt, like, oh, my, my jumper. I've got like, I don't know what you call them. Like we call them a parka or like a rain jacket, a big, big rain jacket. Yeah. I was so proud of that T-shirt. <laughs> That I couldn't bear to not, you know. So I actually put it over the top of my whole jacket and stretched <laughs> it. And I went and got the dog, and my my sister walked out, and she looked at me, and she's like, "Are you kidding me? I'm not walking with you like that." <laughs> and, you know, so I had to go in and take it off. And but I was so <laughs> proud. It, it just felt like it was something so, you know, it felt it was so exciting and something so, um, not I don't know, is not the word, but just something. Oh, so forbidden or so so special, and I, I was just so yeah. proud that I wanted to show it. But but anyway, but the the smell of of getting your your shirts done, yeah. For me, if I ever had that sort of smell straight away, I'd think about heavy metal and shirts and which shirt I was going to get next and what yeah. my pocket money was going to buy. You know, or, or yeah, sure, so, yeah, pretty exciting. Well, you know what you said. You said uh, it felt um, naughty or whatever. I think the, like when you saying that, it makes me think of. Not necessarily that, but it's almost a little bit rebellious, and it's almost a little yeah. bit like, like I don't know very many people that like this, and I'm gonna show. I'm, I'm so I love it so much, yeah, that I got to tell the world about it, basically. So I, I can totally like relate. Part, absolutely, yeah. Like you're part of a club 
a small group of people that that knew something, uh, and it was something that the general society wouldn't accept. Um, but you didn't care, you know. You oh show yeah, and we were all. I grew up with like good people, good good family and all that sort of stuff. So it wasn't, um, you know, an anger thing or anything like that. It was just sure, an expression sure. of oh my god, something that wouldn't be accepted, uh, and it was huge, and it just felt so special. It felt so wonderful to be part of something like that. And especially when you genuinely, because you're watching other people listening to songs and then, you know, fading into the next pop song that came along and I could never mm-hmm. understand it. Um, and it just, I knew straight away that once you liked something with metal, it wouldn't like just be, oh, okay, a couple of months later, it'd be something else. It, I knew even back then it was, I assumed it would be for life. It just felt that way. And sure enough, here it is. I'm in my 50s and it's, it hasn't stopped, you know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was even back then, even though I didn't know how to express it, it was, um, I knew it was special. Well, that's something that I've heard a lot of people say. I know that I can remember talking to Matt the first time and him saying this, but it's like, when you hear it, when you like, when you start hearing that kind of music, like for, I know I felt this way, Matt said, I know I've had a lot of people say this and I'm sure you probably feel it too. You were like, it really hit you hard. This is what I like. Not, yeah. It's not like, you know, like hearing Michael Jackson, you're like, oh, that's a good song or whatever. That's really, that's good stuff or whatever. But yeah. like it, it just, like the metal stuff for me, <clears throat> like it grabbed me. Like I remember hearing one of the very first albums I really remember grabbing me. Like, like I just, it was incredibly good. was the very first album by Wasp. Like it yeah. was so, you know, and Shout at the Devil was kind of like that. But the first Wasp album really was just like, you know, I can still remember it coming on and hearing I Want to Be Somebody to open the album. Yeah. And it's just, holy crap. I mean, I can still listen to it now, and I'm like, that song is still, it, <laughs> it, it's it's not dated. It's just very fresh sounding, but okay. And, so, I think, and like, unlike um, so many sort of metal albums too, we have a big build up and intro, and then all of a sudden comes in. That just, you know, you say it just comes straight in. Yeah. Like, oh my God, you get hit with this sonic boom. And it's just like, whoa, yeah, quick. these guys aren't mucking around. You know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah it's, to, and to me, that's still what, if I if, if people talk about debut albums, I think that's one of the best ever, that first Wasp album. Yeah, I did love it. Like, hello, you know, VE and, and Bad and um, Hellion and uh, School um, Days the, the, and the Sleeping flame. in the Fire. Yeah. I love the flame. And actually, <laughs> School Days, that is how I learnt. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, <laughs> to the blah, blah, blah. And yeah. One guy, indivisible justice. I repeated that when I went to the States for the first time in 91. And people were like, how the hell did you know that? You know, I was like, well, <laughs> guess what? There's this band called Wasp. But that's yeah. exactly it, how Amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing that you would learn. You know, it's like learning history from Iron Maiden. You're like, well, how, would, how do you know so much about Alexander the Great? Well, you see. <laughs> <laughs> well, go uh, and speak to Andrew. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now something else here that you mentioned in your, in your email that I thought was so cool that I thought people today, there's a resurgence of people buying albums and stuff nowadays, but, and maybe the record store experience a little bit, but for so many years that experience has been gone. And you told me that you used to hang out at a place in Melbourne called Central Records Yep. And go and listen to music and all that. If if you will, kind of describe that whole experience of going there and what it was like for you then. Oh well, that was um. I mean, Melbourne. It's a Melbourne's a big city, you know, like Dallas or and like that. And we yeah. lived in the suburb on the outskirts, so you'd get the train into um, the city. And this was um. 
yeah, Central Records, it, it ended up being changed, the name changed down the track to Metal for Melbourne. But it was um, okay. it was all heavy metal. So it was like, I guess, the equivalent of going to church, you know, if, if uh, for somebody <laughs> who's, you know, that way inclined. And yeah. um, But just knowing that when you get off that train and cross Flinders Street Station in Melbourne and walk into this shop, there's metal going to be playing. And you're going to be picking up because obviously no internet, no computers, none of that sort of stuff back then. So sure, that that was the only way you learned stuff. And you would go and flick through the records. You'd you know and say, oh look, can you play this? And uh, and they put it on. You think, oh wow, that that's amazing. Or, or, or you know, it was a place of discovery. It was like a library, mm-hmm. I guess. For, um, and um, it was just a place to hang out. So of course, me and my 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 good mate. Um, as down there that I grew up with in metal, we, we had our mullets, you know, our long hair in the back and our battle <laughs> yeah. jackets and our T-shirts and our really tight ripped jeans and our runners and ghetto blaster on our shoulder and studs that we'd hammered into the jacket ourselves and gloves, you know, with yeah. studs on them and all that ridiculous stuff. And um, we just hang out there all day. It was fantastic. But that's also where um, I happened to meet the person that you were the, the the band that we were just talking about, Blackie Lawless. Um, <sighs> tell me about okay. Tell me about meeting Blackie Lawless there. Yeah, that <laughs> that, that was amazing. That, so that was obviously just before the Last Command came out. So okay. what was eighty six? Yeah. Um, and so it was, you know, it would have been mid eighty six, I guess. I think um, I think Last Command came out like November or t- you know later on in in the year. Uh-huh. Um, but he was obviously he was coming over for a promo. And it was on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, so I was at school. And I went to, um, like, a, a private school, like a pretty, you know, well-to-do school. And mm. um, and I heard that Blackie, you know, through – obviously, they advertised it at, at this shop. You know, Blackie Law is going to be in signing, signing, you know, record signing and all that sort of stuff on Tuesday, whatever day it was. And uh, I was, of course, you know, my God, Blackie Lawless, are you kidding me? Yeah. So my, I went and saw my mum, and mum was fantastic. She was always so supportive with with – all that sort of stuff with metal. It's just like, if that's what you like, that that's great. She was very that's supportive. Cool. Yeah. And I said, look, I'm at school and I really want to meet Blackie Lawless, go get his autograph. <laughs> and she's like, well, okay, I'll, I'll write, I'll write you a note. Um, and so, so you can take the school so that you can get excused through the day to get a train into the city and go to this shop and, and meet Blackie Lawless. And um, it's funny because my, our, I'm not sure how it works in the States, but, you know, in I was in, it would have been in year nine, year 10, and you have obviously have different teachers for different subjects, but you also have a form teacher that's in charge of you for the, you know, overall. And sure. um, we had this guy, Mr. Byers, who was, who was African-American and like very, very proper, very well-to-do, very dark skin. I think he was Nigerian or with background or, or whatever. And, and um, <laughs> so I took this, this note in <laughs> and gave it to him. And he's just reading it out saying, uh, can my son be excused? He wants to meet his idol, Blackie Lawless. And he just goes <laughs> to me, Blackie Lawless, and just looks at me and just throws a note back at me and goes, whatever, you know. And I was like, <laughs> yes! And I couldn't believe it. I, I was allowed to leave school. We had, you know, uniforms and all that sort of stuff and ties and everything. So I was allowed to leave school, jump on a train, go in, and um, and and we had queued up for ages. There, was, there must have been couple of thousand headbangers, you know, all lined up all the way down the street, like half a K wow. down. And uh, we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And this limo rocked up and out jumps. I could see it from the distance. You know, out jumps Blackie Lawless and into the shop. And 
Um, so obviously it took a long time to get all the way through, but you know, when you finally get in the shop and you've got to yeah. sort of make your way through, across one side, then back again, the whole time you're just watching him going, my God, that's Blackie Lawless, you know, and I only had that yeah. one album out, of course, at the time. Yeah. So, but he looked, he looked tired and he looked not very impressed. And I was just trying to, I've obviously recently thought I can imagine like jump. That's a long way from the States to Australia. And he would have to have been pretty jet lagged. And to have yeah. 2,000 signatures and all these people just asking you questions, it must have been, you know, it must have been exhausted. So anyway, I got his signature, put it straight up on my wall next to all my other stuff and you know, all my other posters, and uh, and that was pretty special. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. That's very cool. I mean, he's he's a really interesting dude for a musician. I mean, he's more... Mm-hmm well-spoken and thought out and, you know, serious. He's pretty serious. So I think that's, but man, in 80, I was, you said 86, but I'm, I'm thinking 85 is when, uh, the last command came out late 85. Cause I know my cousin went and saw, yeah, he went and saw kiss and wasp in January of 86. So it was late. It definitely came out late in 85. Is what it was. Oh yeah. No, it did too. It was November. It was, it was, was it? it was November 85, wasn't it? I, I I don't remember the exact date, but I do remember that yeah. my cousin went and saw them in January of '86, and it was the last command tour, and that's the one my mom wouldn't let me go to. Oh, and you yeah. know, <clears throat> that was the only chance I would have had to see uh, Randy Piper in the band still. Oh so, yeah, yeah. But it is what it is, you know. I, I so anyway, anyway. So okay, let's get back to Maiden here. Um, <clears throat> okay, so 1984, you got Power Slave. You, yeah. you, you're ju- you're on the main bandwagon. Um, as far as Iron Maiden goes, cause now we're going to, now we're going to kind of, I'm going to try to steer us toward Iron Maiden a little more here. <laughs> so you got power slave after that, are you going backwards and you got in peace of mind, number of the beast killers and Iron Maiden, or are you just kind of riding with power slave for a while? What happens there? No, it, 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 I just grabbed everything. So I, I mean, I can't even give you an order or a time, but okay, okay. I know peace of mind, like for me, it was just mat- like after power slave peace of mind you know didn't even sort of um you know back then didn't even consider the fact that it was different singers it's like oh this is a different singer on killers and i invade like oh okay radio i invade this is great and you just listen so to okay just learn, i was going to ask you that that's my next question so you so you heard him and it didn't it didn't phase you that he sounded different or anything like that no not at all not at all i mean when you look back now with yeah. so much history then sure. it's sort of thinking like wow didn't you sort of think anything but back then there was only you know, five albums, and um, and it was, you know, what I mean, it was just, well, wow, there's more of I'd made. This is fantastic. Five yeah. albums, I can, I can learn, and yeah. um, I just, I just sort of loved them all, really. You know, uh, Power Slave will obviously always be special, just because of just, I just, I'll never forget how it sounded, those those guitars and how how it hit me. It was just phenomenal. But but I loved everything else, and peace of mind, I just love so much as well. Um. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. so it was. It was from 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 Power Slave. Obviously, it's different because then it's conscious. Every album that comes out, you're you're making that conscious effort, and it's um every album's a journey in itself. But but for those going backwards from Power Slave, it was just I got them all, and I still remember that '82 live recording from live in Manchester, and um that was obviously the Beast on the Road tour, and hearing Bruce yeah. singing because that was obviously only one album, so he was singing a lot of stuff from. Um, from Iron Maiden and Killers, and yeah, and um, and he just I don't even know whether I it's you know what I mean, even that was just like wow, okay, that that's <laughs> stuff, and it's just fantastic. I just lo- I just loved it all. Uh, that's cool because I when I first heard Paul, D, I had Made in Japan and I liked that, yeah. 
But when I heard, I can remember hearing Killers and, or maybe the first Maiden album and just being like, oh man, this guy's terrible. (laughs) it, It was, I guess it was, the songs were so much more developed once you got past, you know, I mean, you go to the, even just going to number the beast, you got stuff like children of the damned and you've got yeah. hallowed be thy name. And you've got Acacia Avenue and these songs that are especially, especially like hallowed and children of the damned because they, yeah. they start out different, you know, and they're just totally. Up. Yeah. And, and compared to like the, the more, I hate to use the word punk, but the more intense vibe of some of those things that were on the first two albums. So yeah. Okay. Definitely had that there. Yeah. <clears throat> feel for sure. Right. Now I think you alluded to this earlier, but I, I didn't you didn't say it yet. Did you see the Power Slave tour? Yes, I did. Oof. So that was that was in May um in eighty five. And yeah, that was yeah, that obviously that was when I was just 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 you know, just starting off and getting into them. I just That's seen awesome. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I got into them in late '84, but but I was still listening to Queen as well. And the fact that I was so absorbed with, I was seeing Queen two and a half weeks before that, and that yeah. that was that was amazing. But Queen's obviously not heavy metal, and it's um a different audience. And and um I went on the second night, and out of which I only recently found out it was four nights. I thought I was the second night of two, but I didn't realize they 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 played four nights. But then, yeah. so I expected a lot of people, and it was just phenomenal. But when my mum dropped me off. Um, and she was picking me up as well afterwards. When she dropped me off at Festival Hall in Melbourne, Brian Maiden, just to see these headbangers everywhere, like heavy metal fans everywhere, and yeah. to think, oh my god, like, there's no way I'm alone in this world. You know, as far as metal goes, just to know sure. there's so many people that's into it, and just the energy. Uh, it, it, yeah, it it was um it was phenomenal. It just blew my mind. Yeah. Who who mm-hmm. opened when you went? Do you remember? Um, I think it was a band called Boss, um, and uh, yeah, a band called Boss and an album called Step on It. And this is quite funny because um, I know that on the World Slavery Tour, I think in the US and in Europe, I think Twisted Sister opened for Iron Maiden, um, but they didn't open for Iron Maiden Australia. But if if you, I was just looking at like the dates before, of, like when I saw them in May, and at that same time, um, well, sorry, sorry. Twisted Sister, they played in March. So they played like um, the month before Queen did. So we had (laughs) Twisted Sister in March, Queen in April, and Iron Maiden in May. But in March, when Twisted Sister were playing Australia, and I've actually got a tape of it um, because my mates, I I didn't go, uh, but my mates went and they had a little tape player in their pocket and they recorded (laughs) the whole show. And I know that back to the front because I've played with that. It's unbelievable. Like Dee Snyder, he is an unbelievable front man. And he is uh-huh. off his head, you know. He was amazing, yeah. but um, but but what I was thinking, I, I sort of like, hey, Twisted Sister, they've been supporting Iron Maiden. But when Twisted Sister were playing in Australia, Iron Maiden would have been playing their their shows in Long Beach Arena, Southern California, and I, I yeah. know, obviously they were all being recorded. So and I don't know whether they recorded extra songs um, for those shows because they knew they were going to put on a live album, and they didn't. I don't sure. know whether they had to support them <clears> or not. So I don't know why Twisted Sister didn't support them. But but um, but anyway, Boss. Um, I think Boss Boss also supported Twisted Sister uh, okay. on their tour here, and then they support Iron Maiden, and then we're never really heard about again afterwards. <laughs> yeah, because I know I know that uh, Wasp opened for Iron Maiden on on Power Slave over here, at least to some for some part of it. You know, oh, they okay. kind of uh, 
All right, so we'll we'll start moving through the little progression here of, of Iron Maiden albums. Um, okay, well, let me ask you this. So at the point that you have Power Slave and, you know, obviously you had a couple of years before Somewhere in Time ever comes out. Yeah. Before that, did one of those albums stand out the most to you of the first five? Uh, well, the first five, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously Number of the Beast was is always going to be a classic. And if, I know it's not very popular, but Invaders, I love that song. You know, I know... I know you struggle with that. And I can understand that, but I love the, uh-huh. the vocals, the, the power drive of the singing. And then, um, oh, yeah. I, and just to like cuts into the solos. So I absolutely love that song. So number of the beast was, you know, obviously an amazing album and yeah. um, no one's ever going to uh, argue with that. I mean, I, I, I would listen to it I, so much that there's, a lot of those songs I wouldn't really, I wouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm not that bothered if I don't hear it. Oh, not too often. Uh, yeah. Just because I've heard them so much. I mean, I remember Hello By Thy Name. I remember, you know, I learned that word for word, obviously, like any, anyone would back then. Sure. And I remember sure. in school, this kid being kicked out of class because he was in trouble. It was a poetry class or something. And I said, let me write a poem for you. And I wrote the whole poem of that, like all those lyrics and said, take that and <laughs> give it to the teacher. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened, or whether he got in trouble, or you know, because he was a year below me, so I just left when I gave it to him. But I was thinking, yeah. this, this is way too intricate for anything to be accepted in out in that that year level. But but um, but yeah, obviously, you know, Number of the Beast was absolutely you know fantastic. What would have um, been yeah, funny and, is if you if you wrote the poem for the kid and the teacher goes, "Wait a minute, these are Beckett lyrics." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, but uh, and and peace of mind for me was massive. I mean, that was my first backpack, my first T-shirt, and I just love that album, yeah. you know, so much. Like where where Eagles Dare is just, you know, un- unbelievable. And in Live After Death, the way the way Bruce sung Revelations in Live After Death was, yeah. um, you know, just unbelievable. And look for me, still life, I love that song. You know, absolutely, absolutely love it. And this is another one. This is one that gets forgotten about or, or looked over, but. For me, Sun and Steel, that's one yeah. of my favorite songs on the album. You know, I, I, it's short. You know, it's it's punchy, and his chorus, the chorus, the way he sort of double vocals it, I, yeah. Like I can, I could, I'd be happy. It's going to sound terrible, but I'd be happy not to listen to the Trooper ever again. Oh no! Oh, oh no! I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I you know, I'll enjoy it when it's on, but <laughs> I, I would never sort of sit there and play it. And I'm just, I've, I've just heard it so much. But Sun and Steel, I've probably listened to that twice as much, and I don't think I could get get sick of it. It's just unbelievable. Now but, Matt's um, gonna now yeah. Matt's gonna jump on that. He's gonna say, "Hey, see, <laughs> see, I'm not alone here." Let, let me tell you this: uh, the band I went and saw last night, they played Still Life. They played oh, a wow. Die with Your Boots on. They played The Trooper. Thank God, because <laughs> yeah. that's the one. I, out of those three, that's the one I. You know, it's funny because they don't play those two much. They play Trooper every show, you know. Maiden does. I would much rather hear the Trooper <laughs> over those two. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> I've gotten well, in some is... trouble. I've gotten in some trouble, you know, recently here because I've been saying that. Oh, you, you may want to hang the call up when you hear this. I've been saying okay. that I think Peace of Mind's a little bit overrated. Oh, I know that's your opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I, I, I mean, I, I certainly like the album, you know. But yeah. like, I, I, well, arguably, I think the Trooper is could arguably for me be 
it's it's definitely a top ten. It could be top five. It could be top one for me. I I love the wow. Trooper so much. It's such yeah. a great song, and it's it's we've heard it a million times. They play it every show. Yeah, where people are burned out on it. But man, I just it's such like you go if you could go and go back to never having heard it, and then you heard yeah. it the first time, you'd be like, holy crap, this is. It, it, I think it's the best song on uh, uh, Peace of Mind easily. Easily. Well, I would love to go somewhere back in time and have that experience. But Oh, I know. <laughs> but no, I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand absolutely what you're saying, and it's, it's spot on what you're saying. Um, but, um, but yeah, but I, don't, I don't know. And this is just another funny thing about still life. You know, I was talking about how, you know, you'd borrow tapes off everybody, your mates, you know, you'd record it, you'd put two tapes together and record it, and you'd go home with it. My, yeah. My, 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 one of my great mates that we used to swap tapes. I didn't know anything about him. Like, this is before he became a really good friend. And he said, you've got to, you've got to listen to this. So when he gave me a, a copy of it and I just absolutely uh, learned it back to front and just loved it. Remember the end yeah. of still life, you know, he goes, now nah, we rest in peace in here. Yeah. Like Nick, yeah, I think you'll yeah. ever say it. And yeah. I was thinking, I had this visions in my head. That, that was his brother who just walked in, you know, in the room. Uh, when he <laughs> yeah. Recording, he going, yeah. You're playing Iron Maiden. And when yeah. that tape stuffed up and I got him to re redo it, you know, and he, he re-recorded it for me because I don't know what happened to the tape. And yeah. I heard it again. And I was just like, wait a sec. How did that happen again? Yeah. I was just confused. And then it was like, oh, my God, that's actually part of the, you know, that's how that's sort of funny. England it was. But it was, um, but it was yeah, yeah, beautiful. That's funny. But, yeah. So, but no, I like to tame a land too. I mean, what a, what a great finish. Oh, yeah. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. Beautiful. Other than the lyrics, I really like that song. I mean, it's it's the lyrics are a little too um, – I'm I'm just not a super. I'm not into the whole. Well, you know that that's that's probably close as close as you're going to get to some Dio lyrics on an Iron Maiden song. Mm, okay. You know, kind of it, it, the fantasy, the uh, you know whatever of it, and I just but but it's just some weird lyrics, you know. Yeah. Well, I, in like, the defense of the Tamer Land, that's it's more sci-fi. I mean, that book June. It's okay, not fantasy. Okay. Not, it's, science, it's science. It's science fiction. You know, set in a distant planet. Not that I. I'm not. I haven't read the book or anything, but um, sure. I did recently see the movie. But I didn't know anything about. It. I didn't know anything about it when I when I was first into Maiden and heard that song. I had no idea. So, yeah. but it's it, it is sci-fi. It's not. But I understand what you're saying about fantasy because I'm the same. I've got no interest in that sort of stuff. But yeah. um, but yeah, to tame the land, okay, all okay. science fiction. Yeah. My, my friend, uh, my friend James over in. Uh, well, you're, being that you're in the middle of Australia, he's way far away from you, even over in New Zealand from where you're at. But um, yeah, he's a huge fan of Dune and, and all that stuff, and he gives me a hard time about it. So, um, Okay, so moving along here in the Iron Maiden trajectory, the next album that comes out is Somewhere in Time. So you're a couple years into your fandom here, and you know, Killers, yeah. Iron Maiden, Peace of Mind, Number of the Beast, Power Slave, you got all that, you're probably well-versed in it. So somewhere in time comes out, you turn it on. There's, it's a little bit of a different sound. Does it, yeah. does it, does it startle you at all? Or are you just, does it, you just roll right along with it? Uh, no, I, I loved it. I mean, the, the first album I bought, I was able to buy was obviously live after death. Um, and then, so the anticipation for, for somewhere in time and getting mm. on that train, going into that same shop we talked about before and actually buy it and have this album where there's so much happening on the cover. Uh-huh. I, you know, hour and a half on the train all the way back home. So I could just sit there and read everything, pull the inlay out, and look at all the, you know, have a, have a laugh at all the, um, at all the references and all that sort of stuff. And sure. so I finally got home and put it on and, and yeah, I mean, it's, I don't remember anything apart from positive thoughts, you know, uh, even when the, the guitar synth or whatever, whatever comes on, 
I yeah. didn't, you know, because then the beat kicks in, and then all of a sudden it goes, you know, just goes off. Uh-huh. And, yeah. And, I, you know, for me it was just like, wow, this is just fantastic. I, I loved it from the start, you know. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, that's uh, that was my – go ahead. Sorry, sorry, Uncle Steve. No, no, you're okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Uh, yes. <laughs> Even to this day, I think the, the two solos, you know, on that song are, are, are probably my, my favorite solos. Uh, well, not my favorite, but right up in the top top ten or fifteen of, of um. Sure, uh, it's 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 hard to figure them out. There's so many good ones. There's so many good yeah. ones. Well, after yeah. we get off the phone, you can watch the video I sent you of the uh, actual, oh, yeah. and you can tell me what you think of the solos. Because, like I said, I was in front of the guy doing the Adrian solos mostly, and oh, wow. uh, the, the guy that I know, Chris, um, the very controversial Chris that I had on on. Uh, a few months back doing his Iron Maiden story. He was on, I thought I was on his side of the stage because he also plays in an Aussie tribute band. And in that band, he's on the right. If you're looking at the stage. So I went, oh. we got there and we were kind of standing back by the merch when the Metallica band was playing me and my daughter. And, and after they got done, a spot opened on the front of the stage. And I was just like, Hey, let's go up there. She's like, ah, I don't want to go up there. I don't want to go up there. I was like, let's go up there because that's where, Eddie's going to be and all that stuff. And so <laughs> she went up there and during the show, she said, I'm so glad you made me come up here. This is a lot better. I was like, okay, good. But, uh, <laughs> but I have, but I was in front of the other guy and which I was glad because I, last time I saw him, I was in front of Chris and not the other guy. And, and yeah, and he, he nails those. I think he nails the solos pretty good. I mean, I feel like in my mind, they're ingrained enough that I've, you know, been hearing these songs for so long that yeah. I just listened to him going, holy crap, he's nailing these things. And I feel like Chris was doing the same thing on some of them. So, so when you hear it all, I'll be curious to get your take and say, yeah, they yeah. really nailed the solos or whatever. So do um, they share the solo? Like, do they share the solos or do they just stick to Adrian? He does Adrian's and, and one of uh, those Chris told me that they don't completely, he said, sometimes they will, um, you know, one of them will play the opposite solo occasionally, but like like what whatever they play is what they always play. But he said I don't play every Dave solo, and he doesn't play every Adrian solo. But for what I noticed is most of the Adrian solos were on my right side, and the Dave solos were on, on the other side. So I feel like that's yeah. mostly what they do. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um. So, and I know that I'm trying to think because Matt got into Iron Maiden on Somewhere in Time. So did you get to see that tour? Did they come over there for that? No, no. It was a long time before they came back, if I remember right. Yeah, is that right? Time and when they came back, I think I was overseas. um, Oh, it was Fear of the Dark when they came back, right? Um, Yeah, and I was. I I actually saw them on that tour, but I was in Donington in England in '92. Okay, Um, okay. so we will get there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, cool. Yeah, in Australia in the '80s or '90s again. Yeah, I remember James saw. The seventh, I'm sorry, the uh, Fear of the Dark tour in um, what would be the big city in, uh, <clears throat> in was it Christchurch in New Zealand? Or, yeah, uh, yep. It's Christchurch, Wellington, and Auckland's the biggest. Auckland, I think, is where he yeah, saw yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He saw that tour. And that was famously one of Bruce's, like, I think, supposedly he said that's the show where Bruce told the band he was leaving. So, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, wow. okay, moving forward again, Seventh Son comes out after this, you yeah. know, and the album starts, you know, with the little acoustic thing. And then that very heavy 
synthesizer keyboard thing comes in, <laughs> w- when that starts, c- can you remember far back enough that you can remember either thinking, holy crap, what's going on? Or it kicked in fast enough, kind of like somewhere in t- caught somewhere in time did anyway. But <laughs> what did you think of Seventh Son when it came out? I, I'm trying to remember because at that stage I'd finished high school, like year 12 and moved to Sydney to live with my father. And, and um, I lived in a small unit. He had a terrible record player um, with okay. horrible sound. So yeah. I remember buying that album and taking it um, home and trying to work out whether the album sounds pretty poor because of the production <laughs> or because yeah. of his record player. But, yeah. um, but honestly, I mean, I, I can't remember what I thought about it at the time, but sure. I've never, ever thought, anything other than I love the album. You know, it's just always been a fantastic album. Um, gotcha. So, so I mean, Moonchild just, uh, you know. Oh, just, my yeah, gosh. Know. It's just, you know, absolutely brilliant. And Infinite Dreams, I mean, I, I can't talk highly enough about that song. It's just yeah. moody and it's, it's everything you want from an Iron Maiden song, really. Um, I've got to say, though. Uh-oh. This is, uh, Uh-oh. Yeah. Here it comes. I know. I know. You know what I said about the Trooper, right? <laughs> Can I Play With Madness? That song, I just, yeah, that never, ever did it for me. Um, oh, okay. We're, we're yeah. in agreement there. Lockstep, man. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, okay. I've never loved that song. Yeah. I like it. Well, I mean, it's okay. You know, it's a Maiden song. It's okay, yeah. but yeah. I mean, I, when I first heard it, I thought, okay, song number three, short song. There's the punchy one, really short solo. You know, there's the catchy one just to try sure. and get the people that aren't Maiden fans in, which sounds terrible because, God, so many Maiden fans would absolutely love it. So that's yeah, not yeah. a nice thing to say. Uh, but I, that's what I, my initial thought was like, oh, that must be the single to try, I guess, to try and try and attract a wider audience. But, um, yeah, I, yeah. you know, because it didn't seem to have the depth and the, you know, and the, the musicianship and the solos and the, um, yeah. it just seemed too popcorn y for me. But anyway, that's, you know, I appreciate it. For oh, what yeah. It is. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but yeah, the whole album. I mean, you know, Evil Dead Two and Seventh Son. I mean, gosh, <laughs> yeah, what an epic! I mean, that's that's when they were starting to really. I mean, that that would have been their longest, apart, obviously, apart from Romance Mariner. I mean, wouldn't that have been yeah. there like ten minutes? Yeah. So yeah, I think it, yeah, yeah. That's uh, you know that that's an absolutely epic song, and that's that's probably one of my favorites of all time. And the solos, it's just so mature. Like you can just sort of see how how they've progressed into such a for me, you know, a mature state with their um, with their the structure and the solos, and that it's got everything in that song. Um, oh yeah, I, I, oh, I love yeah. It, the feel, the slow bit in the middle, and just the echoes of the guitar. You know, when it's going, yeah, it's uh, so atmospheric and absolutely lovely. You know, yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal! It's phenomenal. I, I that was the first tour, that was the first tour I got to see. That was um, oh, my yeah. that was my second concert I ever went to in my life. I, the first one was. Uh, Kiss with Ted Nugent opening, and then this one was uh, that, and that was in February. And then in July, I saw Iron Maiden with Ace Frehley opening, or his oh, band. Wow. Yeah. Frehley's Comet is what it was billed as. Yes. And then two days later, I saw two days after Iron Maiden and Ace, I saw Aerosmith with Guns N' Roses opening. So, <laughs> and that's when Guns N' Roses was. They had just really exploded. Like they were, yeah. I was, I was already into it, but they were big and, you know, they were opening for Aerosmith and I, I could care less about Aerosmith. I wanted to see Guns N' Roses, but. So that was 88. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, was yeah. July 29th and 31st of 1988 for me. <clears throat> and, uh, but yeah, Maiden came on, you know, and with Moon, opened with Moonchild and, and, oh, 
is just incredible. I mean, you know, it, you know, you hear that dun 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 I am he, and they burst onto the stage and explosion, and it's just like holy. And we were probably in the first fifteen rows. And probably paid 20 bucks, you know, and it's amazing to think, you know, now what you pay for a concert ticket compared to seeing them 20, you know, 15 rows up. And, and that's back whenever it, 15 rows was 15 rows. Now 15 rows is like 30 rows, but anyway, so now something interesting happens here next. Um, Well, okay. First off, I didn't, Adrian Smith, is out of the band after this album before actually before the next album, you know, they were supposedly working on it and he, they disagreed and he either got, you know, Steve Harris, I think Steve Harris just kind of said, Hey, you don't like it. You can leave. Maybe probably I'm assuming he didn't think that Adrian would leave. I I think it's a couple of things. Steve might've been, and, and this is pretty odd to say about him because He's Steve Harris. He might have been a little too big for his britches at the time, thinking, yeah. look, I write the music. I'm the big guy. This is my band. Not really putting the proper due that Adrian Smith should have got as a songwriter and and what he really contributed to the band. Probably yeah. said, hey, you don't like it, you can leave. Probably not thinking he would leave. Yeah. And then Adrian, who's a pretty... Uh, who seems to be a pretty unique individual as far as like, I want to do what I want to do. And if I don't like it, I will leave, which yeah, him doing yeah. him leaving. So you hear about Adrian leaving at some point. What do you think? Does it, does it strike a nerve with you or do you just kind of like, okay, as long as maiden stays together? Um, well, it didn't strike a nerve for me until I heard, um, you know, no prayer for the dying. <laughs> then I was really, uh, I was really quite upset, but, uh, but you know, I, you know, I don't know. I haven't really thought too much about it because back then it was just like, okay, he's gone. Yannick's in. Uh, who's this yeah. guy? Look at the back. Look at the back of the album. You know, they've all got their yeah. hair hanging down and thinking, okay. I mean, and obviously, love Adrian Smith, and so, I don't, you know, I, I think I was obviously excited to hear the album and see what see what see see what was going on. Sure, so, sure. Um, that that was a big shock. The thing is too with um, I, I don't think we'll ever probably know because you know, with English culture, they're um, you know, they're they're one they're very um, they have a whole gentleman and, and lady thing and they're, mm-hmm. they're very proper and they're quite, you know, so I don't think they're the sort of, they come from the background where they're going to do a book and spill the beans and say this is right. what happened. You know, they're right. just like, oh, no, well, that was, yeah, it was just a few things going on in there. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know what I mean, which is which is a wonderful quality and that's, that's a beautiful thing sure. about, you know, about the, the British people. Um, so I don't think we'll ever properly know. Only they will, but... We uh, want to know, but we never will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, you know what I mean? It's it really, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, ultimately, it doesn't matter because look what happened anyway. In the Yeah, yeah. in the end. Yeah. It, you yeah. know, it's it's kind of like uh, skipping forward a little bit here, and we'll get to it in a minute, but it's kind of like, you know, Bruce leaving too. It's like mm. they were all better off. And if you've ever heard our, our, um, Adrian talk about it or read his interviews or whatever, it really made him appreciate it when he came back. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes you've got to step up. I could, I couldn't imagine being in a machine, you know, in a bubble that big and that yeah. successful and that um, progressive and that, you know, unbelievable where you're just getting bigger and bigger, um, probably yeah. up until this point, actually. And then, yeah. um, um, and 
you know, being in that world where everybody says yes and everybody's like, you know, nobody says no and who, who, and, and what their opinions are. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, to step away for him to step away, it was probably, yeah. a, you know, have different expressive outlets and all that sort of stuff. And I can imagine then coming back because, and it's your decision and you decide yeah. you want to come back. Um, and then you're going to be a lot, you, you can see the contentment on him. You know, every time he plays, I think he's just really enjoys the place and time yeah. where he is, where that mightn't have happened unless he'd been able to step away and, and do his own thing. And I think even when they came back, it's it's at, at the agreement that if they want to still do their own thing, which, which obviously we've seen with um, Cotton and that, that, then they can still express their ways in other music. It's not like they have to be locked in, it's, you yeah. know, um, to, to just made and nothing else. So, yeah, I think they came back. Older, healthier, wiser, and um, and ready to you know write good music, which they did. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, now, nineteen ninety one, because we skip in here, we skip just a little bit there. But nineteen ninety one, no prayer comes out. You've already kind of said what you thought when you heard it, but during this time, you uh, you left uh, Australia and you came to the United yeah. States. So before you get into too much. What made you? Uh, what made? What was it that brought you to the United States in general at first? Uh, well, I'd always, I'd, I'd wanted to go to, you know, the states for for years and years. I remember, um, I think it was I was in year ten or eleven or something like that, and we had, um, there was a traveling choir from the states that came over, and and our school sort of was in charge of of taking one person, you know, each. And put in okay. and they could come and stay in the family. And we these guys were from a place called Cherry Creek High School in Colorado, you know, just okay. outside of Denver. And this guy um came and stayed stayed with us, and and he had um uh, defenders of the faith had just come out, you know, Jesus Priest. And obviously, I was like, oh my god, are you kidding me? And we we're just like just going off, and I thought, and he was you know talking all about the states and how cool it was and all that sort of stuff, and. And then they left me this um, book on Colorado and all the wildlife there and all the um, oh, you know, nice. Rockies and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, I've got to get to the States. So that was basically a goal, you know. And when I left okay. school and moved, moved to Sydney, I worked for three years, worked, you know, really, really hard and saved as much money as I could. And what you probably worked out about Australian culture, New Zealand culture, and probably English culture. I mean, we tend to travel. We get the opportunity to travel a lot more, and we've probably got haven't got the same restrictions that um, – that um you, you know you guys generally get four weeks a year holidays and it's it, yeah you have a lot of pressure to to um to if you were to leave and just take off travel for a year it mightn't be seen as a positive it'd be like well this guy's a bit reckless as opposed to in Australia it's more like well go go get out of your system and then yeah. when you come back you'll probably be ready to settle down and we'll have you for a long time so Australia said to travel so I, I was I was getting ready to do a long trip in states and you know Europe and the UK and all that sort of stuff and. But the states, I couldn't wait to get there, so I flew there in '91, and yeah. um, and in Jan- January the 19th, which is I think where the golf it was the golf world started that same day. So when I oh, flew wow. into the states, it was a really political hot pot, and sure, there was sure. there was so much. Um, I remember the the patriotism and the everyone had um, ribbons tied around the trees in the front of every house, and there was there was, you know what I mean? Cause it was a, it was a pretty big time back then, um, for, for what was going on in the Gulf. I'm sure it was the Gulf. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, but anyway, I flew into, 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 uh, LA and I, yeah, I just, I traveled all around the States across it and across Canada and I spent like four or five months, but the best oh, wow. thing ever was, that's was awesome. Yeah, oh, it was wonderful. And, 
back then because it was 91, it was crocodile, crocodile on me. It was probably only 60 years ago. It was still like, <laughs> oh, man, you're from Australia. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Would you like, like to was, put a shrimp on the barbie? <laughs> yeah, the barbie is like, yeah, we call them prawns, mate. <laughs> and, um, so it was quite, it was quite funny, you know. Obviously, it's, the world's a lot bigger now, and it's uh, less, less yeah. of that. But it was, it was an exciting time to be there, and it was, um, I just loved being in the states, and and it was cheap for us to, to travel. Um, yeah. every, you know, everything was pretty cheap, and Maiden obviously were on their, um, on their, their no prayer for the dying, um, yeah. oh, so no prayer on the road tour, um, yeah. and I got to see them twice, uh, which it was. Unbelievable! The first time, uh-huh. I think it's probably you might have heard this place. It was in a place called Dallas. Um, yeah, I was going to tell you that means that means that me and you went to a concert together because I was there. Kidding me? I didn't know that. No, I was. I didn't say that to you, but yeah, I was definitely at that show oh. with Anthrax opening. I was definitely oh. there. And Anthrax were on their Persistence of Time tour. Yes, yeah. that's my favorite. That's my favorite Anthrax album. So, oh my gosh, that- yeah, that's yeah, that's. I think Among the Living is probably my favorite, but um, but yeah, that's a good album. Yeah, um, it's funny. Okay, I want to say I want to because I don't because before you get too far past this, sure. Uh, you mentioned that no, 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 no. You mentioned that that like in Australia, you know, or England, or you know, the UK, whatever. People travel more, and I definitely noticed that because like Andrew, you know, uh, the Weekend Warrior, uh, yeah, he, yes. He's he's you know traveled abroad and went to different places, and you know just. When he talks about, you know, oh, oh, yeah, I was spent a month doing this and that. I'm going, oh, wow. And, you know, James, uh, my, my friend over in New Zealand, he's he's been over in, you know, England and, and Scotland and, you know, all these places. And, you know, yeah. Matt talks about, you know, Matt's obviously been in the States. He's been over in Indonesia and different places. And wow. obviously he was born in the Australia. He lives here. And I'm just like, we don't get – how do you – so just let me ask this. So generally, I, I've probably asked Matt this. He's probably going to be listening to this going, you idiot, I've already told you this. <laughs> but like how much, if, if you like you have, you work over there, you have a job, like how much vacation do you generally get in a year? Like where you paid time off to go and just do whatever you want. How much time do you get a year? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously there's so many variables, but I mean, generally it'd be six weeks. Um, oh but, man. See, that's but, nice. Yeah. But I mean, it's, like with what I do now, I get seven weeks, but I also work shift work. So I'll get chunks sure. of a week off at a time. And then if I yeah. do some shift swaps or whatever, um, like two or three shift swaps, I can actually get two weeks off. So I'm not even taking oh, leave man. and I could go overseas to, or whatever. But I mean, it's, yeah, obviously it's different for everybody. Sure, but sure. um, but yeah, look, what I noticed, I mean, this is, I guess maybe you can set me straight, but I mean, it seemed to me, that um, in America, there's a lot of pressure. Like when you leave school, um, you need, you know, you've got, you're supposed to go to university or unless you go yeah. straight into a job. But if you don't go to a university, you're going to miss your place or whatever. Someone else will get it. So you've got that pressure. Then you go to university. Yeah. And of course, once you get towards the university, you've got to take the best job you can get. And once you, uh, you know, I mean, if you decide, no, I'm going to go traveling for a couple of years, then it's almost like you'd maybe lose your your spot or whatever, or someone else yeah. would get it. You wouldn't get the chance. That does and, feel right. That, yeah. yeah, there seems to be that sort of, um, you know, that sort of ethos or, or that sort of maybe pressure to succeed, or or there's always going to be somebody snapping at you. Whereas I think there's more of that in in Australia and the UK. It's like, look, go traveling, get that system, go and bum around the world and and see yeah. the place, and then when you come back ready, then. <laughs> then no worries, then get stuck into it because when you're young, you're, you've, got, you've only got that opportunity once, you know? You said bum around the world and see the place. 
Yeah, you so, know, I mean, I'll tell you, that's really true because uh, my son, I have a, my, my son's 18 and he's going to be, he's finishing up high school this year. He, you know, he'll be out of school in about, uh, about a little over a month, about five weeks. And I've really tried to talk to him right. about, I've really tried to talk to him about just listen, you're not always going to know what you want to do when you get, I mean, like you, you, you're not 18 years old and you know, oh, here's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Not everybody has it figured out. I said, it took me, I said, I'm, I'm in my forties and I just yeah. figured it out a few years ago. You know, it, yeah. it's some people like my wife is a nurse and she figured that out when she was in high school or a little after high school that she wanted to do that. So yeah, she's 25 years in a career into that. Whereas I'm six years into a career of what I do. And it's, and it just was happenstance that I, I fell into it backwards accidentally. And, <laughs> but I've tried to make, I, I really want to, take the pressure off my son to feel like he has to have it figured out. But at the same time, trying to balance that with, you do need to start thinking about something. Yeah. You know, you don't want to graduate and then just sit around and do, you know, play video games for two years. You can't, you know, you can't do that, but (laughs) if you're going to do something productive, if you're just going to sit around and do nothing, then obviously, but I think if you're going to do something, that's either a passion or something you need to follow something yeah. that you get out of your system, something that you feel is right for you, yeah. um, then then sure. But, yeah, like like you said, you've got to put all your cars in place so that you can at least have something to fall back on. And I think as a parent, that's what's really hard because you're very conscious of um, you want the best for your kid, but you don't want to block them, you don't want to smother them, you want right. them to experience yeah. everything, but also yeah. make sure they've got something to come to. So, you know, in all cultures around the world, it's all, it's all different different ways of, it, 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 you know. Sure, of, um, sure. So, and as a parent, you got to navigate that, haven't you? It's it's pretty difficult. Yeah. How, now, uh, I have because I haven't asked you this. I haven't. We've been we've emailed back and forth quite a bit. How how many yeah. kids do you have, and how old are they? I've got two girls, thirteen and sixteen. Thirteen. Okay. Yeah. I've got a fifteen year old daughter. Uh, she just turned fifteen uh, a couple months ago, and my son, yeah. he turned eighteen uh, in December. So, uh, yeah, I said he'll be out of school, and but the funny thing is, is. Uh, and he'll never listen to this. There's no way he'll ever listen to this. So I can say this. I always tell my wife and I tell my daughter, I said, I think you'll, I, I told my wife, I said, I think Sarah will move out of the house before he will. Cause he's just oh, a lot man. more, he's a lot more of a homebody. He likes to be at home and he just doesn't go out and do a whole lot. Um, and my daughter, like she's 15 and you know, she wants to already have a car and be out doing stuff every day and do it going places. And yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, okay. Well, I so, think, um, yeah, sorry, yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. Finish your statement. No, I was going to say, I think the average age for you is something like 28, 29, 30 years old or something for kids to stay at home. But I think yeah. the difference is, is because they're using the parents' home base just so they can go traveling, you know, and they come back <laughs> and go traveling again. So that's probably the difference. But, yeah, they do tend, well, to, tend to stay yeah. um, at home a lot longer in Australia, yeah. Well, now it's over here, it's getting so expensive to buy homes anymore because where we live, the housing market has – like we bought a house. Um, this, I'm sure this is what people want to hear on an Iron Maiden podcast. We we <laughs> bought a house um, five six years ago, and it has almost tripled in value. But yeah, yeah. what that means is the housing market is triple the cost of what it was six years ago. And my wife just keeps saying, "Well, how how is Noah going to be able to afford to you know, or Sarah going to be able to afford to get out and get their own place?" It's so expensive yeah. these days, but so let me let me veer us back to Iron Maiden here because sure we might be losing everybody at this point. Is anybody we? I figure <laughs> Matt and Kirsty are still here, so we'll just talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> um. So 
at the No Prayer Show in Dallas, were you on the floor yeah. or were you in seats? No, I was thinking I was, I was on the left-hand side uh, in seats looking down. And I remember Yannick was on the, you know, the, the further side away because I remember him spinning his guitar around. I remember him at one stage, which you might remember him climbing up the stack or up the scaffolding um, with his guitar around him. And I still remember looking at him looking at his roadie when he was got all his stuff tangled in his, you know, yeah. in his uh, and him. So I was on the. If you were looking at the stage, I was on the left hand side. Look. <laughs> so I'm that means we were on. So, so that means we were on the same side too, in the same because I was in the I was in the seats as well. <laughs> oh my gosh! So 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 here's what here's what I'm gonna say. We were probably sitting pretty close to one another. <laughs> wow, that's phenomenal. And, and it's funny because. Another guy from Australia that I've had on my podcast, you might have heard of him, Matt. Me and him <laughs> were also. He went and saw the um, the uh, the, uh, uh, the Maiden England show in Dallas in 2012, and we figured out that I was one section to the left and up from him. I was on the front row, so we. I'm like, we probably walked. Same with you. We probably walked oh, wow. right by each other at the. You know, and and you being from. Sydney from Melbourne, <laughs> yeah. you know, living in central, uh, or, you oh, know, I where I wasn't then I was, yeah, but just where you live now. And we were at the same concert, uh, tw- 31 years ago. That is crazy. Isn't it? That is so fun. And you also, but you saw a few more shows, uh, the States with them, right? Yeah. I saw, I saw them in Denver and, um, and just, it, it, it just quickly in a nutshell, that was, I decided, um, to, because uh, I met a bunch of guys, but I, was, I used Denver as a bit of a base in this hostel mm-hmm. there, and um, yeah. so we we go like we went down to Mardi Gras and we did all these different things, and and we'd always come back to Denver and meet there. And these three, this Brazilian girl, um, Diary School of Brazil nut, and these other two Australians that I'd met, um, I said I talked to them in. You've got to come to see Iron Maiden. You've got to come. You know, they're like, oh, okay. So we went and yeah. got tickets, and and I was so excited. But we went we went and had a few drinks. Uh, beforehand and and um ended up having like quite a few I, I, I think you call them i don't know really call them hip plus or whatever but one of those little things of um of whiskey like the smallest one you can get like okay know, like a shot glass a shot glass yeah maybe you know you put down the socks you know a little just, just like 250 mils or something 125 yeah. mils something like that and yeah. um so i was in there and i was i was pretty drunk um which i'm not proud of but i was saying to the guys i've got to get closer because we were, we were back a fair you know a fair way I've got to get closer. So I kept on jumping the barriers and the security came over and grabbed me and took me back and said, oi. And I was like, oh. then well, my friends are laughing at me. And I was just like, okay, I've got to try this again. And, <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't remember whatever song it was, but I jumped, you know, I tried it again and they caught me again. The third time they did it, they grabbed, like I tried to do it, they grabbed me and they said, that's it. And this is right in the middle of um, Heaven Can Wait. And uh-huh. um, do, you, do you remember on that tour, like they did it, it um you know, in Dallas, um, when they go, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, you know, the whole crew and everyone, all the families, everyone came on and sung that. Yeah. So, you know, on stage during that bit. And as that was happening, the security was walking me past the stage, like to take me out the back. And I, like, they had me, like, my left arm, and I had my right arm up, just going, whoa, like singing. And uh-huh. they, as soon as they took me out in the passageway into the security room, and I just burst out crying. And I was just like, it was pathetic. And um, I was like, hey, I'm from Australia. I've come all the way to see Iron Maiden. And um, we're just like, yeah, radio. And I was like, no, I promise you. And he goes, prove it. I had my passport because you carry your passport everywhere then. Yeah. Was, you know, it was no credit cards or anything. And I pulled my passport out and he had a look at it. 
and then they left the room. They left me there for, you know, I don't know, three, four, five minutes. And then he yeah. came back in and looked at me and said, if I put you somewhere, will you promise not to move? And I was just like, seriously? He took me in and they, they put me in a seat that was spare, like a really, really good seat on the side, like really close to the stage. Oh, and wow. And I stayed there for the rest of the show and watched it. I was just, my hair's just standing up as I'm saying it. I was just like, mate, like, thank you so much. I was trying to give him a hug and everything. And I was yeah. like, get out of here, you know? And, um, <laughs> and yeah, so I got to see the rest of the show, but not that I remember that much of it because I was probably had a bit too much. But I'll yeah. never forget walking past that, whoa, 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 and watching everybody on stage and I'm oh, just like, dragged cool. out. Yeah. That's, so, <laughs> that's awesome. That yeah. It's a good memory. You know, yeah, memory memories are, uh, I mean, like you said, you're telling the story, your hair's just standing up. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So no, it was great. now, so how long did you stay in the United States before you went to your next destination? Oh, about four or five months. I think it was end of May. I think I, I, I flew to London and, um, and yeah, ended up spending the next, I don't know, three, four years based in the UK, but, you know, living in different parts of Europe and all that sort of stuff. And, and um and wow, yeah that's so ended cool up, yeah it was I, you know i didn't know how long i was gonna go for but just ended up that way but i ended up playing in a band because you know, i played bass guitar yeah um because of obviously steve harris and cliff burton and um harry yeah harry absolutely <laughs> so um I, I first thing i did when i, I hitchhiked up up to scotland and ended up in a place called aberdeen on the um yeah um on the east coast and and i got a job in the fish markets there uh, which was quite exotic. I thought this is pretty cool. This is a bit different, you know, three yeah. three quid an hour or whatever. And and the burger van I used to go to every weekend. This kid there, um, um, you know, he looked at sixteen or whatever, had a Metallica top on, uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, Injustice for All or whatever. And we got talking, and he's like, uh, oh yeah, you know, uh, you know, we've got a band. And I'm like, obviously in a very thick um, Scottish accent, yeah. Um, but but so I said, oh, I play bass. And he said, oh, come and check us out. And anyway, long story short, I ended up playing with a band. They asked me to join, so. So I ended up playing in the band for, for about three years, um, based in Scotland. Um, cool. In a, a, yeah, really very, very heavy metal band. So, uh, I, I, I got to say this because you were talking and I just laughed really loud in the middle because <laughs> you said, as soon as you said three quid, I was like, oh, he only needs to work five hours. <laughs> you know why, right? Because <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, 15 yeah. quid is all she asks for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> when you said that, three quid, I was like, quid? We're yeah, Charlotte. Way too, me. way too quick to me. That was good. Oh, yeah. Okay, so so you played in a band for three years? Yeah, yeah, about three years, yeah. yeah. That's really – and so where where all did you live over in the UK area and the European whole thing? Um, oh, that was – so I used – Aberdeen was – they were all obviously from Aberdeen. I was obviously the only Australian I was happy to be traveling sure. through. But um, they kicked out their bass player whose name also ironically was Mark and they had a big fight <laughs> and this guy tried to smack him in the head with a bass and they kicked him out and – and oh, wow. um, they, they said, and I used to go and jam with them in a church. Ironically enough, the guitarist of, the, of this very, very heavy, you know, band, Jeff Metal yeah. Band. His his father was a minister of the church, a really nice okay. guy, and he used, he used to let us use the basement to jam. So, you know, obviously '91, it was like there was no way we used to jam on a whole lot of Nirvana stuff, and then everything to Autopsy and Napalm Death, and like every oh, wow. extreme. But um, they, it, you know, they said, look, you know, we know you're traveling and all that sort of stuff, but just so you know, if you want to join the band, you can. I was just like, mate, are you kidding me? Of course I want to join. So yeah. I was just so excited. So yeah, ended up, ended up, um, like, like think back then, if you're Australian or New Zealander, you used to get a two year work permit for the UK. Um, okay. but you only could ever get that once. And once that expired, you have to leave. You could leave and come back and get a six month tourist visa. 
So every time that would expire, I'd go over to Europe and, you know, for three months, four months, travel around, then come back, get six months, then go oh, back wow. again for three months, then come back. So, like, I, you know, I worked in Germany for three or four months on a winery and I worked in Greece on Corfu for for three or four months and, you know, lived in Sweden for three months and just, you know, just bummed around the place basically. But I'd always go back <laughs> to, to – to, to join the band and it was such a good time that's so, so fun, cool you know? man that is such yeah. a, that's that's such an interesting life compared to me <laughs> <laughs> oh man so uh, okay so I, uh, okay so at what point do you get back into the uh get back to australia oh that was like 90, 95 okay okay 95, okay i think yeah okay so so fear of the dark came out yeah do you remember anything what you thought about that I certainly do. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it, it was a weird time. And I saw, I saw Maiden in '92 headline Donington, like it's now download, but Monsters of the Rock Donington. Mm. Um, and that that was Wasp played at that one too. And yes, um, yes, we and, discussed uh, this a little Row. bit. Yes, yes, Skid Row. That, they were awesome. They were, they were second from the top of the bill. And and um, who else? There was Thunder and um, the Almighty, I think. Um, and yeah, I said you had me. Too, you had me at Iron Maiden, Maiden and Wasp. <laughs> yeah yeah i still remember yeah what was it uh what's his name um um johnny um, rod you said johnny rod yeah just yeah doing his whole thing and yeah i remember him dropping picks and everything and then just pretending you're still playing and grabbing another one and keep on going it was so, yeah. it was so windy the whole day it was uh uh oh yeah. yeah yeah when you see that footage yeah blackie lawless is yeah he's getting blown around pretty good it's yeah. I, that is a that was a phenomenal set too because I mean I I don't watch a lot of bootlegs or things like that or listen to a lot of that stuff but I have watched that whole you know set that they did because they were playing Crimson Idol stuff oh that's God, right so yeah. it was so good so good um, um, I forgot okay. actually Slayer Slayer played that too and that was oh, wow. the most intense I only played ten songs like ten songs and and it was like my feet didn't even touch the ground you couldn't even the, the crowd was that packed and moving. You wow, were just going yeah. with this way. It was it was it's an intense it was, Slayer uh, crowds yeah. are intense and, and that was on oh, Seasons yeah. in the Abyss. It certainly was. They started yeah. with uh, War Ensemble and yeah, they played yeah. three or four songs for that album. You know, yeah, obviously Dead Skin Mask and um and um and Seasons in the Abyss and War Ensemble and yeah, it was it was yeah. it was, it was oh, amazing. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that tour um and I mean this was it was the Clash of the Titans, which you may have heard of, yes. but it was uh it was yeah. Over here, it was it was Slayer Anthrax, um, so it was Anthrax on Persistence of Time. Megadeth, yeah, yeah Megadeth would have been on, uh, I guess, Rust in Peace, and yeah. and didn't Alice in Chains play? Yes, Alice in Chains yeah. on their first album was opening that show, and that was. I remember Lane Staley walked right by us in the crowd oh, wow. after they got done, and we didn't even know who yeah. he was. It was like my cousin oh. goes, "Hey, isn't that the guy that was singing for that band?" And we were like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah," no, I'm you know. That's a great notch. Oh man, it was a uh, that, that that's one of the best lineups I've ever seen. So, okay, so yeah, so line. so fear of the dark happens. Bruce leaves the band after the tour. When yeah. when you hear that Bruce Dickinson's leaving Iron Maiden, what what goes through your head? What do you think? Well, I thought it was almost like I don't know because after No Prayer for the Dying, I was that album I was really disappointed with. Like it was, you know, yeah. I mean, I was just that's my least favorite Bruce Dickinson album. Um, oh, okay. And yeah, and um, so and then until Fear of the Dark, <laughs> yeah, that's my second least favorite. <laughs> okay. Um, 
So yeah, and obviously you had his tattered millionaire in in between, and yeah. I got that, and I was just like, you know what? It just sounds like Bruce Dickens had too much in. If, if after hearing tattered millionaire, it's like mm-hmm. I think he's having too much input, and everyone seemed to like bring it all to the slaughter, which I, for me, I just don't like that song at all. Um, okay, okay. I, I, um, you know, I mean, me, it just didn't do anything, didn't do anything for me. So, yeah. and then um, Fear of the Dark. I remember buying it on tape actually because I, I was sort of traveling, so I just bought a cassette because it was easy and listening to it. And you know, it's when, when Big Quick Will Be Dead comes on, I thought, oh, good, kicking start and everything. Yeah. And then, you know, from here downhill from there. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Although I've got, I, there are some songs which I think you, I, I believe you don't like, but actually, you know, don't mind um, or sort of. I, I think you, From Here to Eternity is about. I think that I've I've declared that as the worst Iron Maiden song ever. Yeah, well, that's a bit of a shocker. You know, with Bruce, that's... especially with Bruce. I mean, if because a lot of people are going to go, oh, well, Blaze sucks, or I don't like Paul Diano or whatever, and I don't like that. But I mean, as I, I think you have to just separate the Bruce years yeah. from everything else because Bruce is the definitive. You know, no matter I yeah. I respect and I like stuff that Blaze did. Same with Paul yeah. Diano. But you know, Bruce has been on what thirteen out of seventeen albums. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, him uh, to me that I think that's the worst album they've done, and I yeah. think that uh, like Judas be my guide's awesome. Uh, yeah, Fear of the dark, Fear of the dark's good. You know, be quick or be dead's okay. Um, yeah. uh, what's the ballad on there? Uh, no, the waste war- and love. Waste. Oh, waste. Uh, okay, I'm thinking of the other one. Uh, uh, yeah, but, yeah, that's on the other yeah. album. That's right. Uh, I do yeah. like Wasting Love. It's a pretty decent song, even though it's a ballady thing that they tried. And um, no, I don't mind that song. I, I like um, yeah. Dream on Brothers, Why You Can't. I actually like the way he sings that. And the, the acoustic sound on it, I've got to say, the acoustic sound, all the acoustics on that album are really, really good. Like, I, I really sort of appreciate that. But it's just the. I liked it better yeah, the first the time when it was called Son of a Gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. No, no, no. I like, I like both of them. But yeah, it's definitely reminiscent of it. But okay, so um, let's see here. So you hear that Bruce leaves the band and you kind of felt like eh, he's uh, he, he's 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 got too much input. So now, OK, now we already had this conversation before. You know, this is this is the bad part of talking oh, for okay. an yeah. hour before. Yeah. But you, you, you told me I think you I think you told me this. You still have never heard Balls to Picasso or Skunk Works, correct? No, correct. OK, OK, OK. So that way I can now. And now, okay, now here's something I was really interested in what you wrote because you 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 told me, okay, when you played in the band in Scotland, you said that, you know, y'all tried really hard. You said the band yeah. didn't make it. You eventually went back to Australia. But yeah. this affected your take on Blaze Bailey coming to the band. Yeah. Yeah, it did because, like, in, the, in America and Australia, people wouldn't have probably appreciated how popular Wolfsbane were getting. You know, when I was over there, it was like Wolfsbane were getting really, really big. And, yeah. um, you know, so when Bruce left, I thought, oh, well, fair enough. You know, that sort of, I guess that chapter's over. And I honestly thought, like, well, Iron Maiden, I had a great role in there, my favourite band. I mean, I'm just, it's just amazing what they achieved. I honestly would have never predicted what would happen in the future, but I thought, oh, well, that's it. That's, sure. That, that's sure. Maiden. And um, I was really disappointed when, when I heard that Blaze Bailey got it. But nothing... I mean, for Blaze, how fantastic is that? If that gets sure. you know, playing your favorite band, great for him. 
But I just felt so sorry for the guys in Wolfsbane because they'd done so much hard work and they were just absolutely kicking off and about to about to break it. And then he leaves to join Maiden, and who wouldn't? Yeah. But, um, I, you know, sure. so I felt sorry for them, and I thought Maiden could have chosen anyone. So why destroy another really good British band? Um, yeah. Um, and so I was a bit like, ah, oh, you know what? Um, well, it didn't really, you know, it didn't really irk me that much. But I was just thinking, oh, that's a shame, a waste of, of, of two good bands, really. So I didn't really, you know, um, and because, I mean, if we had technology now, then obviously I'd, I'd chuck those Blaze albums on when they came out because I'd have the opportunity. But when I was traveling and I was away and I was doing things and they came back, I just didn't have that, you know, I didn't go and seek it. I just sort of thought, oh, well, Maiden's pretty much over. And um, when I eventually did hear it, it was just through curiosity, you know what I mean? Yeah. So so those, yeah. those I, I didn't hear the Blaze albums until after Bruce and Adrian had already come back. Um, gotcha. So, and because it had already moved on to, my God, Brave New World, you know, everything is just backfiring 100%. It didn't really seem that important <clears throat> to me. But obviously, you know, being in retrospect, I thought I've got to go back and, you know, because it's Maiden and, and out sure. of all respect to how much writing Steve Harris does and Dave Murray's still there and Nico's there, you know, so so yeah. I should. And, and, yeah, it just, I really, I, I still struggle with those albums. Although having said that, um, I, I've, I've been listening to them a lot lately just to, you know, give them yeah. some respect and I've got a bit more pre- appreciation, but still, I mean, they're still run bottom, bottom for me. You know, I just, I struggle with them for sure. I, I did a, a lack, of, lack of power in the singing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I did a review of virtual 11, a good while back, probably, yeah, it's probably almost been two years ago that I did that. And it definitely gave me a different perspective, really, really digging in, and 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 I liked it a lot more, yeah, than than I than I expected. So, and okay, you, so honestly, can you can you listen to the Angel and the Gambler and just just you know, <laughs> that's the one song that I it, it's not a great song. I don't I I don't care for it. Um, it's too long. It's 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 mm. it's just a it's it's completely over the top and. The fact that they released it as a single instead of yeah. Future Real. Future Real is a three minute song. Yeah. And they, and it's, it's a, and Future Real's great. But yeah. Why would you, it's Rod Smallwood said that he got into it with Steve Harris really a bunch over that. Like, dude, you can't release this as a single. Yeah. You know, and you got this song that sounds like this. And you hear Future Real and you would go, oh, that's Iron Maiden. I mean, yeah. it has that gallop to it. It has that Iron Maiden's classic sound. Yeah. And it's, he said, you know, eventually Steve said, look, it's my band. This is what we're going to do. And, you know, he, he said, eventually I just finally had to concede. And yeah, yeah I, I, Angel and the Gambler is, is not a great song. I mean, to say from here to eternity is worse. <laughs> if you, if I'm counting, like I said, you got to, that's why you got to put it in Bruce terms because, to think that from here to eternity or is that bad with Bruce Dickinson yeah. and and the other one is, is Steve Harris's fault. You yeah. know, the, from here to eternity is a Steve Harris written song too. So there it's both his fault, but uh, yeah, either way, either way. So, so you end up hearing that, that uh, you mentioned Bruce and Adrian were coming back. I'm sure you probably, uh, you were probably still, What'd you think? What'd you think? I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. well, it's funny because right? um, back back then when that came out, 2000, like we were over in 
in the we finished the trip and we spent three months in Southeast Asia and all the countries there like Thailand and Vietnam they all had you know burnt copies of you know discs back then every yeah. second third shot was like you could buy you know burnt discs and it was just like um, oh yeah okay and I, of course I was there and I saw oh wow brave new world so uh, I you know obviously bought it and and um it wasn't until I got back to Australia and I was in Sydney and um I was down the local and I had my little CD player and headphones so i thought i better give it a bit of a listen and the, the quality was terrible and yeah. i thought oh okay you know wicker man came in and as opposed to having a great sound system and bang it just hits you i was sure. just like oh okay well okay well bruce is back and i remember sort of thinking okay i'll put that in the back burner and it was only a matter of weeks or whatever before i got it um yeah and and then you know yeah bang it, it, what an unbelievable album it was just yeah it was like thank god i mean it was so unexpected and especially with my first response i was really negative and I'd, I'd come back from overseas after all that time and the band i was just missing the guys over there and i thought ah, oh, and yeah. revisiting maiden after those couple of albums and having that big break and after no prayer and feel the dark and i thought oh you know this is a big i didn't want to be disappointed i was really i think i was really worried about that um, sure, but but yeah. So obviously, when when I actually got a proper copy and listened to it, it was just it was the beginning of an incredible era. I mean, the post stuff is just unbelievable. So uh, yeah, it was just like welcome back, you know, and Adrian and and um and it was really nice that the Yannick's still there and uh, um yeah, it was it was it was it was refreshing. That's that's yeah, really great. cool. Loved yeah, it. it was interesting because I know you and. And uh, you told me recently that you were listening and we were talking about accident of birth and chemical wedding and you had never even, because yeah. of Tattooed Millionaire and how yeah. bad it is, you were like, you yeah. never really went and delved into his catalog until really, really recently. And, you know, I I got to go, like, because Adrian plays on accident of birth. And I remember yeah. hearing about that and going, oh, wow, Adrian and Bruce are together. So this is awesome. Yeah. You know, and of course, Chemical Wedding was the same way. I got to go see the uh, tour for Accident of Birth. I got to see uh, oh, wow. see them in a little club and right up front. I was funny enough. Uh, a friend of mine, an old friend of mine, Jamie, called me yesterday, and we talked. And he was talking about that show, and yeah. we, I was right up front. I was just like, if Bruce is in the middle, I was just to the left. I didn't care. I wish I had then. I didn't really <laughs> care that I was right in front of Roy Z. You know. <laughs> But I was just, I, I just couldn't help but looking over to the right and going, oh my God, that's Adrian Smith. And I'm front row. I'm dead, you know, right up front. Bruce is right in front of me wearing his little, uh, his little uh, biker shorts, you know, his little uh, whatever they are. And and the funny thing is, is my, my friend told me this yesterday and we laughed so hard. I remember he, when, it, when I said it, because Bruce comes up and you know, he, you know how he, puts his foot up on the, on the, uh, yeah. on the, on the, the mic uh, on the, on, yeah, on the, on the, uh, not mic, but the, uh, the speaker, number. he comes up there and he, I guess he might've lost his balance just a tiny bit. And he just puts his hand right on top of my head to balance himself <laughs> or whatever. And I remember after that, my friend goes, dude, you just got baptized. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to call you, um, uncle, um, you know, raises edge or something. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. He was trying to balance. He was balancing on a ledge. I, I guess the razor's edge was right there, and I was the I was uh, the ledge <laughs> balancing on a ledge. <laughs> well, I That's funny, say, dude. Like, listening to you and Matt and Kirsty actually when you were talking about those albums, because that was, and then actually hearing you guys sort of talk about Tattooed Millionaire, that was when I thought, oh, okay. So 
the other yeah. albums obviously aren't like that. And yeah, like I said, when I put on a Chemical Wedding, um, that was I couldn't believe it. And now, yeah, oh man, I'm just so excited because I've got this new stuff I can discover. Like I've listened yes. to like Accident Birth and Chemical Wedding like probably ten times. Uh, not not oh, Accident man. Birth, but Chemical Wedding. I've only listened to Accident Birth twice, and I just feel like I've got this whole thing to you know to look forward yes. to, which is which is exciting. It's a little unhidden gem, you know. So it's um, I'm very lucky. Uh, oh yeah, way. I've got that to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, and Skunk Works is a Skunk Works is different. Definitely, yeah. he was you know he it was his what you would if you were going to call it anything you'd say it was his grunge album. Yeah, but there's a lot of really good stuff on it. It's different, but it's a lot of good stuff on it. Um, Balls to Picasso was before that. Um, so what about how, how's Tyranny of Souls, right? Tyranny of Souls is heavy. Oh, good. It's very heavy. It's heavier than Accident of Birth. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah, Adrian, Adrian's not on it. It's a, it's him and Roy Z and, and their band. And, of course, I'm sure you've seen recently uh, that him and Roy Z, or, or Roy Z's been posting stuff of pictures of him and Bruce together. So yeah, yes, yes. Leading people so. to believe that there's an announcement coming soon or <laughs> because Maiden's about to go back out on the road, you know, in the next month they're, they're starting yes. their tour. So whatever they've done, you figure he probably posted those pictures at the end to get some, you know, Hey, some fan reaction and all that and, and build up and stuff. But either way, did you get to go see the brand, uh, the brave new world tour? Did it get, did it come your way? No. No, I wasn't. I was. I was. I think I was overseas, um, okay. with with my wife or my then fiance, and um, yeah, and that's so. So so. No, I didn't. I would love to have seen that. That I would call that, and 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 you already heard me mention Allison Chains, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax. Yeah. This tour is the best concert lineup I've ever seen, oh. ever, because. And as you know, recently I've had a resurgence uh, with Queensryche. So these are yes. three three of my favorite singers of all time. Three of my uh, you know favorite bands of all time, in a sense, because Iron Maiden's headlining. Queensryche is opening, or no, Queensryche is second. Rob Halford solo band is oh, opening yeah. the show, and it wasn't Judas Priest, but it, I'll, I'll be it's honest, you know. Yeah, this might rifle a little bit of feathers, but I don't think it really will. I'm probably a bigger Rob Halford fan than I am yeah. a Judas Priest fan because I've only seen Judas Priest. I saw them twice on Painkiller. One time I wasn't as interested as the the second time I was very interested. I was, yeah. Um, but I saw them twice. But I also, but I saw Rob Halford. Uh, he he had a band called Fight after he left yes. Judas Priest. I saw Fight on both tours on the War of, War of Words and Small Deadly Space tours. Then I saw Halford on this tour. So I saw Halford by himself three different times. Mm. So it's the same amount of times I've seen him with Priest. It's and all the best. Uh, the best would have well the best would be the second time on the painkiller tour because I was second row <laughs> dead oh, center yeah. um now when I saw a priest uh, a few weeks ago I was third row dead center but a 70 year old Rob Halford and a 40 year old Rob Halford is two different yeah. things Absolutely. Um, all, seeing him in a club seeing him opening for maiden uh on the Halford that was probably second because yeah. but those the, the the first fight tour would probably be second or third because you know, the first fight album is really good. The second yeah. one was more alternative. But either way, seeing those three together, Queensryche, Halford, and uh, Iron Maiden, wow. 
Wow, what I wouldn't yeah. give to see that lineup now, you know, but or go yeah. back in time and see that lineup. So yeah. Well, so you, you love. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. By himself, but but yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe the others for sure. Yeah. Did you oh, rate yeah. Jeff Jeff Tate as a as a singer for Queensrÿche, or you know? Oh as man. To, yeah. Look, I'll, I'll I'll be honest. Okay, going back, go back in time. Jeff Tate, uh, you know, I saw them on the Operation Mind Crime tour. Uh, they were opening yes. for Metallica on the Injustice for All tour, which was phenomenal. Wow. Um, but Jeff Tate, you go back and listen to him live. I mean. It's it's hard to say there there could be better. I mean that yeah, guy yeah. was and I love look I love Rob Halford and Rob Halford's pretty yeah they're he's probably up there with Rob Halford, old yeah, school Rob yeah. Halford. Uh, personally, ugh, this is an Iron Maiden podcast, isn't it? <laughs> this is going to probably ruffle some feathers. I, I think oh, well. Halford and Tate live go back into their even in their heyday better than Bruce. Yeah. And Bruce oh, was, wow. and and that's not to say Bruce was bad, but Tate, oh, of course not. No. Halford, uh, um, sorry, Bruce did what he did. Like you go, you listen to him on uh, Live After Death, and he, he had that raspiness into his high vocals. Yeah, I, I just read. Okay, I just read this book about Queensrÿche, and they said that Queensrÿche opened for Iron Maiden. Uh, I don't know, maybe a month, maybe a month. It might have been less than a month on the Power Slave tour. And they said that at, at least at one or two times, uh, Bruce would be on the side of the stage watching in complete disbelief how easy Jeff Tate was getting his voice just so yeah. high and so clear. You know, they got different voices. I mean, Bruce is yeah, awesome. Yeah. I mean, Bruce is freaking awesome. And Legacy yeah. of the Beast tour in 19, he was awesome. But he's, yeah. they're just different kinds of singers. You know, I love them all. Side, yeah. He's watching Jeff Tate going, yeah. oh, my God. Look at this guy. That, but That says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. And and, and, and let me say this. I just saw Queensryche uh, three weeks ago, second row, and Todd Latore. Phenomenal. I yeah. mean, yeah. like I said, if you were blind, you, <laughs> you know. It, like, let me mention the Kiss song "Going Blind." If you were going blind and you couldn't see, yeah, you, you and you didn't know better, you'd be hard pressed to to not think, "Is that Jeff Tate up there?" Yeah. And, and, oh wow. And, and Todd is his own. You you know you can tell Todd when he when he sings, you know the newer stuff. He doesn't sound exactly like Jeff Tate on everything, but that was well, the that, sound of Queensrÿche, and he sings the sound of Queensrÿche, which I love. He's yeah. phenomenal, though. Todd Latore is freaking so good. Well, you've inspired so, me to, um, you know, because I only remember like Empire and Operation Minecraft and all that sort of stuff. And and uh, with Jeff, and I remember God when I was a kid watching Queen of the Rock. Um, on, oh yeah, like, had, you know, on MTV or whatever, whatever those hour specials they had, and um, and he was hitting those like Queen of the Rock, you know, hitting those high things. Yeah. Like, oh well. Can you but, hit that? Um, can you let me try to hit that note for me real quick? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the hard thing with with people like replacing Jeff Tate and, and a band like Queensrÿche or or Judas or any band like you know with a singer. Do you want a singer that actually sounds exactly the same, or do you want a singer that's unique but also can blend in with all the classics from the original singer? It's, it's so I guess it's a hard balance to to, it to is. find, isn't it? And that's why I always ponder about whether Bra- Blaze was the right choice. In, yeah, you know, in, in that way. Yeah, I respect them because he went out 
and did something completely different. I really, really respect that. That takes a lot of courage on their part to do that, to say, yeah, "Yeah, I know everybody, but you got to think about it. And and, and I know you do because you've already mentioned this. Mm. Look where they were headed with the Bruce Dickinson guy singing. I mean, Fear of the Dark, No Prayer for the Dying. They weren't still on that upward trajectory anymore. They were- You know, of course, and, you know, music was so different and they were caught in the middle of it. So they might not have even realized it. But, you know, they, like you said, they took a guy from a big up and coming band. And I got a friend, um, I don't know if you've heard his Iron Maiden story. He's from Venezuela named Luis. And he's written a couple of books about Iron Maiden and their history and stuff. And he was telling me a while back, he said, I've been doing some research on Wolfsbane and they were much bigger than I realized mm. at the time. So what yeah, you said is yeah. definitely accurate. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I would say I'll, I'll send you a, uh, I'll, I'll text you a clip of, uh, cause they opened, they opened with queen of the Reich <laughs> three weeks ago. Oh, really? Yes. That, yes. And <laughs> I remember um, I've read, I've read that, you know, Jeff Tate wouldn't sing that song for years, but, and people kind of make it, you know, when you talk about replacement singers, I've been wanting to talk yeah. about this for a while with somebody. So you're the guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They get Blaze and Iron Maiden. You know, people yeah. fuss, 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 because it's not Bruce. It's not Bruce. It's not Bruce. But people were not listening to Iron Maiden anymore with Bruce at the time. You know, Rob Halford leaves Priest. And what do they do eventually? They get someone who's pretty really? damn close. You know, Ripper Owens could, you know, he doesn't have the same voice, but he could hit those high notes really well. People didn't like him because it wasn't Rob. It wasn't Rob. It wasn't Rob. So it really doesn't matter if you get different or the same. People really want what they want. But with Queensryche, Todd LaTorre is so close to it, but it doesn't matter because you're not going to satisfy people like, oh, no. And and I I see this on forums, okay? People will go, well... Let's see what Todd Latore sounds like when he's Jeff Tate's age. I'm like, look, uh, it, it, it's no yeah. big deal if Jeff Tate is older and can't do it anymore. That's understandable. It's like saying, well, I expect 70-year-old Rob Halford to be able to sing Painkiller like he did when he recorded <laughs> it. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I get it. But the fact that they have a guy that's replaced Jeff Tate. Okay, my friend yeah. Steve, uh, the Potter Than Hell guy that's come on with me a few times, yeah. he went to the Queen's Rock show with me, and he's like, we got the best of both worlds here. He's like, Jeff Tate is going out and, and playing Queensryche albums in full with another band, plus Queensryche is touring. He goes, so I've got double the chance to see him now. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. you know, you can't you can't argue that. You can't argue with that. So, um, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I've been wanting to say that. So, okay. No, that's, yeah. It's, people are going to complain either way. You know, it's like. They are people are people. You know, I would rather go see. Let me see how I was going to say this. I would rather go see a band that has one or two original guys and a couple of other guys filling in than to not get to see him at all. Because as time goes on, like you can't help it that KK Downing left Judas Priest. You can't help it. Glenn Tipton isn't playing with them anymore. You can't help it that, you know, whatever, any of these like Jeff Tate and Todd Latore situation, it is what it is. It happened. I mean, would you rather get to see him? I have a friend uh, that I've met recently and um, he said that <clears throat> he boycotted uh, Queensryche yeah. since, two th- since since Todd LaTorre came in. 
Yeah. And um, he Aren't said, you "I denying just denying yourself like a great, you know, you, you're denying yourself hearing great music if you're not, you know, not going to be open to it." If, uh, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. But see, he but, loves, he, like, he he idolizes Jeff Tate. So yeah, I, I'm yeah. like, okay, I get it. But when we were going back and forth about it, because I'd went and seen Queensryche, and I posted about it. And so he sent me a message, a, a private message. He said, hey, how was Queensryche? I said, dude, if you didn't know it wasn't Jeff Tate, you'd think it was Jeff Tate. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, I just don't blame And he kind of went into his spiel. And yeah, so we yeah. went back and forth and back and forth. And I guess eventually I said, dude, those out, al- you're just missing out because those albums with him are really good. He's a phenomenal singer. He sounds great live. I said, yeah. just don't even worry about it being Jeff Tate or not being Jeff Tate. Just listen to the albums and see if you like the albums. Well, I think and so album, he did. Yeah. And, he and he's completely done a 180. He's like, oh, oh yeah. my God, Todd Latore is so awesome. And now he's got three brand new Queensryche albums to listen to that he's never heard before. And he's oh, just like, awesome. oh my God. He posted, he's like, I owe Queen's Rock an apology. I owe Todd Latore an apology. I was just like, this is so cool. What about you? <laughs> You've had to listen to a Wednesday and, and complain all that time, and now all of a sudden he's turned it around, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, for me, I'll say this. When when Todd Latore first got into the band, I got the first album with him because I saw some videos of him singing Queen of the Reich and, I, and, yeah. and Take Hold of the Flame and stuff, and I was like, wow, this guy's really good. So I bought the album, the first one he was on, and I remember listening to it going, Wow, this is really good because I hadn't listened to Queensryche since probably '95. Yeah, so it, it was you know almost 20 years later, and I was like, "Wow, this is really good." And I listened to it for a while, and then I just kind of didn't listen to it anymore. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know why. Then the next album came out, uh, "Condition Human," which yeah. if you're going to go listen to one, listen to that one first. It's right, my, it's my favorite of the three so far. I I, I bought it when it came out. I had the CD. I never even opened it. I just, I never listened to it when it came out. And that's been since 15 or 16, something like that. Oh, wow. So, you know, and then so just happenstance, Judas Priest canceled their show three different times or whatever. And the bands that were going to open couldn't open. Queensryche was going to open. And so it was just happenstance that Queensryche was at this show. Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, it'll be cool to see Queensryche live. I mean, I still like him. I didn't. I'm not the. I didn't have his attitude. Like, oh well, screw it. If it's not Jeff Tate, it's not Queensrÿche. Yeah. I hate that attitude. I'm like, look, you're just missing out because there's only going to be so many times that you're going to get to go to a concert and hear the original bass player and the original guitar player playing the songs that they wrote 30 years ago and having a singer that can sing those songs the way they should be sung. And yeah. But yeah, it's it's it's. Oh, I'm so happy about that. So. And that's the thing, so, the unfortunate thing when it gets in the way of people like, oh, I refuse to listen to it. You forget yeah. about the actual songwriters and all the people that, you know, they're involved in that band that are actually responsible for the music. And yeah. because of one person, you're thinking, but, you know, it's not just about that person. A band is a band. Uh-huh. There's, you know, and especially when you've got songwriters, you're missing out if you're, if you're going to, because of, obviously the thing is, you know. The voice is the, the biggest, yeah, hardest yeah. thing to replace. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, so. definitely. But, uh, yeah. but if they do sound semi-similar and you know they're a very, very good singer. Then if you've got the main, the, the songwriters that got you into them in the first place, um, yeah. which is also why I, you know, that gets back to like, the fact of Steve Harrison and um, with, 
with um with blaze and all that sort of stuff where I actually felt guilty about not giving it more of a go because you know sure of, of, out of out of respect for those guys it's the same same oh, sort yeah. of thing so yeah so 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 let's try to get we'll try to get through here because we're, we're we're creeping up on two hours right now <laughs> <laughs> so well we've been on the phone for over three so um, yeah. so so okay so the next thing that happens in the um in the cycle is dance of death comes out and I know you told me you had some different uh, thoughts on some of these albums. So what did you think of dance of death when it came out? Uh, well, look, I, I loved it. I mean, um, I mean, <laughs> I know I, I've heard you talking about wildest dreams. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mate, I love that song. I, okay. I, and I, I remember you sort of saying, Oh, it's too happy and positive and upbeat. Um, and I was thinking in the same breath, I've heard you say, oh, other songs are a bit negative or a bit, it's a bit dark or whatever. And I was thinking, well, okay, I love how dark. Do you find that, how do you find that medium? You know, but different world. Yeah. I, I love the fact that it was positive because it, it was upbeat and it was unusual for a first one. But honestly, yeah. I think that's, a, I, I loved it. So it was off to, off to a, a great start and then it kicks straight, you know, into Rainmaker, which I think is just a brilliant song yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and, and to be honest, I was still in the mode of, okay. You know, Brave New World. I mean, that was just phenomenal. What a comeback! How sure. we go? This is the second album after the comeback. So I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm nervous for those guys. I'm nervous for other people <laughs> that listen to it. I'm, you know, what I mean, I'm nervous thinking. So for me, it was just such a relief. Um, I don't, you know, No More Lies. I love the start of No More Lies. Like the, the I love the, the mellow singing. You know, the, the song. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, everyone was going on about you know Montague and and um, how heavy it was and stuff, which I I don't really like that song either. Um, okay. And also, probably this is unpopular. That Dance of Death, that that song doesn't really do anything for me at all. Yeah. Um, like the whole that whole theatrics and the whole, it's almost a bit like you with fantasy. I just sort of see that whole dancing around and and um, <laughs> and this sort of whole imagery. That that's how it is for me. Uh, you know, sure. I just just yeah, just didn't like it. But um, yeah, um, gotcha. but you know, it's got some got some great tracks on it. Uh, you know. Uh, and this is another one that I absolutely love, which is a bit obscure and not many people like, I don't think, but age of innocence for me, that is an absolute gem, you know, oh I, boy. I love that. Oh no, I know we're going to differ on this. Cur- but Cur- no, that, no, I like age yeah. of innocence. Kirsty's the one who doesn't like that one. Oh really? Okay. I love that yeah. little bit the whole, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, uh, just the way he, he just goes up. Um, a few octaves in that in that middle bit before it goes back into the you know, the heavy. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I just think it's really different for them, and it's sure. um, I love it. You know, obviously the, the classic on the album is Passchendaele and Adrian Smith. I mean, that is just him shining yeah. again. You know what I mean? It's that and seeing that live on that death of the Ro- death on the road. I mean, not I didn't see it live on that tour, but I mean, just on hearing the actual, it, yeah, you know, yeah, on the uh, on the live live video, yeah, and. Oh, it is such a good song. And, you know, and that piece that Andrew, I've got to say, did on it. He's just such a – his delivery on all that sort of stuff, Andrew, is just fascinating on those Somewhere Back in Time tours. And when he talked about Passchendaele and, and um, you know, it, it just put so much light on, you know, with the lyrics and all that sort of stuff surrounding it. Um, do, do you I, realize I, how lucky I am to have had him offer to do that on my podcast? <laughs> I, I can't – honestly – I can't believe it because I've listened to all – like that was a highlight when when only, it was only a few weeks ago, um, I, yeah. you know, when obviously the legacy – and it took you seven goes, I think, or something to get which song it was going to be. I know. Um, yeah. But this is a real coincidence, Uncle Steve. You know why? 
Why? Because right now it's one thirty in the morning here in Central Australia. Do you know what day it is? It's the twenty fifth of April, so it's Anzac Day. Um, you you've heard of Anzac Day? I have not. Yeah, I think I think Andrew might have uh, mentioned it when he talked about. Oh um, no. Might have been aces high, or, or you know, with the Battle of Britain. Um, Sorry, Andrew. He, he, yeah, I know. I think he touched on it because Anzac Day is is a massive day for Australians and New Zealanders. You know, it's the it's the day with Gallipoli in in Turkey in World War One. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, that does ring a bell. Yeah, that that's does ring right. A bell. It was an eight eight month campaign, and um, we lost over eight thousand you know lives. Mm. I think New Zealand lost two or three thousand or something, and. Yeah. It was um it was a huge part of our history in Anzac Day. I'm going to the memorial service. Like we have a dawn sunrise thing on Anzac Day. It, you oh, know, wow. Every little every big city, every little city in Australia. So I'll be there in uh, I think in about four hours or something. Um <laughs> for the dawn service and then you have a march and everything, but it's a That's it's if a, we're done. That's if yeah. we're done. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a massive day. But that song Passion Dale and um and yeah, and Andrew, what he did with all of those, you know, were just absolutely fantastic. But he did touch on that. That's why I thought I'd just mention that since it is now. And oh like yeah, morning. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so from from the reunion era, what was the first tour that you were able to see? Oh, it was probably somewhere back in time, which obviously wasn't supporting an album, but that was the first sure. first tour in Australia. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, that. Uh, that was and that was huge because I had my 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 great mate with me that had never seen Iron Maiden, yeah. and um, uh, so that was what two two thousand eight, and that was a huge pil- pilgrimage. You know, to that was just just amazing. So, but the first I think the first well, I saw the Final Frontier tour, but that was we had a festival here called Soundwave Festival, um, uh-huh. and that was two thousand eleven. So that was the part of the you know they were headlining the Soundwave Festival and wait, um, wait, spell that for me. Uh, sound like sound, as in you know, listen to sound. Sound wave. wave. Okay, I thought you sound were saying wave, yeah. the name of that old Danzig band, like Sam. I thought you said Sam. Went. Oh, I was like, Sam, what? No, yeah, no, no, no. Sound wave festival. It went on. For gotcha. About, oh, ten years. Um, okay, and then okay. It, then it sort of dissolved, and there wasn't any for a year. But then download sort of spread from UK yeah. and Europe to here, and it was download for a couple of years, and then COVID hit, and we haven't had had it for the last two or three yeah, years. Yeah, um, yeah. But but yeah, yeah so. Final Frontier Tour. I saw them in 2011. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, okay, that so was down Adelaide. You said that you said that you think A Matter of Life and Death is an underrated album. Did you? No, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think that, that album's amazing. Just the the depth and the um the thing that straight away hit me that was so different was the actual the, the sound, like the production. I, even though obviously it's Kevin Shirling, uh, Kevin yeah. Shirley, and um, but it just it sounds really different, but not muffled, but um, it yeah. just has a buzz or a hum or a, or a slightly different feel to it. But it's it for me, it enhances it. And all the songs, even though they're different songs, but they they just blend in beautifully. And I, sure. I, I just I just find it phenomenal. And I know a lot of people don't like that album that much, but um, but I just think it's like one of those hidden gems where if people sort oh, of yeah. maybe gave it a bit more of a listen, then you'd you know you'd you'd you know what I mean? They, they discover something new about it. Um, I just it's a pretty it's, dark album. It's a dark album. Yeah, which is you know the, the subject matter is dark. The other than like different world, different worlds, yeah. pretty close to being. Uh, it's somewhat close to being like um, wildest dreams. Jason you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's and I will say the the one thing about wildest dreams, I like the lyrics of it. It's just it's a little too happy. Other than that, but a, a matter of life and death, though, it just. 
I love the war themes and and just yeah. they do it so well. So, and they do it a lot on that album, you know. Yes, and uh, they touch yeah. on some heavy subjects too. So very so, heavy. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite song on that album? Oh gosh, it's it's really difficult. It's it, it used to be, it used to be uh, for the greater good of God. Then it was. Benjamin Brieg and I, I yeah. it's hard to say. I mean, I, I just have to say the legacy, you know, it just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just, but, but I love Benjamin Brieg too. I love, I mean, I love for the greater good of God. I love, I really, you know what? Let me, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to say brighter than a thousand suns. I love yeah. that song. That's Incredible. a phenomenal that's, yeah. song. So honestly, I thought Andrew was going to, when you, first thing I thought when you said, okay, let's try and guess the song. Yeah. I was sitting there going, it's going to be, you know, Brighton Thousand Sons because there's so much history, obviously, with the bomb and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. you could talk for, for a long time about all of that. Yeah. Things. And I thought, I honestly thought it was going to be that. So I was really surprised when 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 it wasn't, you know. But um, <laughs> so was but I. Me, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I know you were surprised a few times. <laughs> but um, Lord of It Mike, makes it fun. For me, it's just amazing that, you know. Uh, yeah. I just love that song. Yeah, I think it's just an absolute highlight. And I think that what's great about that song, which I hadn't heard with Adrian Smith with his solos. I think his first solo is, um, it cruises along. It's quite sort of subtle, but you know, at the end of his, just at the end of it, he goes, and he goes, and and really high. I've never (laughs) heard him just doing that. And then all of a sudden, bang, the tempo goes up and Dave Murray just, just kicks in his solo. And it's just, Oh, it's just, it's yeah. I just love that song. It's It's a great album. It's a great album. Beautiful. album. So, so now the next thing was obviously the Final Frontier. What and, and Final Frontier is a pretty divisive album in a way. A lot of people just, I feel like, and I can say for me, I didn't like the cover when I saw it really. Which, but yeah. I don't judge. I don't really judge an album by the cover totally. You know, especially when it's yeah. a band you like. But when I first turned it on and it was like, and all that weird, you know, avant garde sounding stuff, and I was like, oh wow, what happened to these guys? <laughs> And and I put the album off for a long time just because of that. In of just I never like I was just like ah eh, I'll try it. you know I'll just I'll 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 listen to this some other time. And oh wow, I personally think the Final Frontier is really good. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm I, I was I'm with you from the start because when I first heard um, El Dorado um, as a single, I was just like ah oh, you know I, I didn't know yeah I didn't yeah. think that much of it. Um, the Final Frontier when the that single came out. And it had a video with it, which I saw. You know, I watched it on my computer, and it didn't have obviously it's had like fifteen. It was just the final frontier, and I loved it. I straight away I like that song, and I still do. I think it's an absolute yeah. cracker. You know, I love it. It is. Um, it's a good I mean, story. Might, yeah, and I might fast forward say like fifteen to thirty seconds before it kicks into the final frontier. Um, okay. But, I, but I, that never turned me off. Like say like fifteen, never turned me off. I was just like, okay. Wow. I mean, I I, I expect. Like I know Iron Maiden with they they're going to grow, they're going to, you know, try new things and all that sort of stuff. But they're always going to get back on the course. And so I was never, never phased. Like I heard that and was like, oh wow, this is building up a real. And I was actually imagining how it would be live that whole build up. And I was just like, yep. This is, and especially when it kicks into a just a beautiful, great, comfortable, smooth, up tempo beat in the final frontier. And it's, I knew it was going to be a great opener. But yeah. um, and this is the thing. But you asked what I thought about the album. I actually a bit like you. I was, I, I listened to it and thought, oh yeah, it's pretty good. I, I liked, um, you know, I, I liked a handful of the songs, yeah. And I got to know them, but it never, it never like grabbed me 
um, hugely. I was just like, okay, radio. It's you know, it's <laughs> um, it's it's good album, but but whatever. And you and Matt and Kirsty were talking about. I think it wasn't where you were talking about three songs. It was it was talking about your three favorite. You, you, I think you were comparing um, the Final Frontier and A Matter of Life and Death and the best songs. I think it was something like that. And Kirsty was talking about. Um, you know, Isle of Avalon and Star yeah. and Talisman. And I just like went and put those on and just yeah. cranked it. And this, it, it just like, oh my God. It was just like, it was like a rebirth, especially yeah. Isle of Avalon when it came out. And Starblind is probably my favorite song on the album right up there with the Talisman. Those three songs, I reckon I've listened to those three songs in the last probably three months, you know, probably maybe 20 times those three songs just alone and, you know, uh, together. And then listen to the whole album. And for me, all of a sudden, that just changed the whole album around where, for yeah. me, it is right up there. I mean, it is. I, I, it's I a lot better than it gets credit for. Yeah, absolutely. But it also And you, and you just made, and, and you're going to make Matt and Kirsty's day now. They're probably going to ask for a raise now that you're <laughs> talking about their choices. <laughs> well, I think that's the beauty about um, your podcast and things like, you know, this these sorts of discussions, because when you listen to it, you do go back and listen to things. And so, and you do hear hear things differently um, based oh, on yeah. what people are saying. And, sure. and honestly, I would, if, if you'd asked me six months ago, I'd like, Oh yeah, it's a really solid album. It's really good. Whereas now I'm just like, I can't wait to listen to it each day. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's just amazing how that <clears throat> happens. But, uh, but yeah, based on that. So it was really good. Thank you, Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. She, she's going to have a big head now. So, <laughs> so, Okay. So next thing happens, well, next album, we get Book of Souls. And, of course, that was shrouded with, you know, Bruce having cancer and, and all of that thing that happened. And so what did you think when you heard Book of Souls? What's your Well, what did you think when you heard it? What do you think? What, what, what's your take now? What do you feel now about it? Okay. Well, when it first came out, I really loved it. Um, you know, it, I was just so appreciative after six years of having to have an Iron Maiden album. and. Sure. um and you know, with what was going on, and when the cover came out, I I love the cover. The cover came out, the images of it yeah. before the album was released, and I was sending yeah. it to all my mates at work, saying this is a new Maiden album, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, getting all excited. They're like, okay, whatever. And um, <laughs> so and so, you know, I was I was really looking forward to it. And yeah. I do, like I said, I mean, if Eternity should fail, I was like, ah, oh. for me, it wasn't a strong opening track, except you know, I yeah. Like that that last yeah. last part of it with, with the talking and the, the real necropolis. The, yeah. Yeah. It was a real, I mean, they were going for a Mayan theme and that just summed it up beautifully. You know, I, like I said, I didn't think that much of the, I love the opening with black dogs in there. You know, I love that whole opening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the song itself just, yeah, just sort of plodded along and the end was great. Speed of light. Absolutely loved. I thought that was, a, that's a, that's a great song. I love his high vocals um, yeah. in the chorus and, and, um, Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's oh, it's just so typical Bruce Dickinson, and it's yeah, it's just wonderful. Uh, so I, I really like that. Um, you know, this is this is this is going to be another thing that that probably a lot of your listeners won't agree with. Um, but I cannot. I've, the red and the black, I've, I've tried. I think it's a good song, but <laughs> like the way people talk about it, like uh, yeah, that's so good. I mean, I what I did, I love the way the guitars. You know, follow the, the and the way, yeah. especially it's got the echo. I think it's Yannick doing that with the echo on it. I thought that was yeah. brilliant, and yeah. uh, the way it just follows the vocals, but then it just holds it a bit longer. 
which I think ties into what they did in um, uh, um, I think it's um, you know, Lost and Lost World off the, off the yeah. new album that did the same thing, and which I absolutely loved. But the song itself, I just I didn't, you know, it didn't do do that much for me. Um, I think it's the chorus. Much, yeah. The chorus yeah, is not good. Yeah. Yeah, it I really so. pulls it's, it's the song down a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a thirteen-minute song. It's just, uh, I don't know, romantic Marin length, but without the quality. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, hey, I'm with you there. I'm with you yeah. on that. I'm with but, you. But um, but yeah, Book of Souls. I mean, that song is just unbelievable. The, the, uh-huh. the hi hat sound. The you know, like uh, uh, Nico's drumming. Yeah. I think he's drumming on the whole album is really good. But that on that song is just just fantastic. Um, I think like. For me, probably, I think that's probably my favorite song, but I love um, yeah. Shadows of the Valley. You know, I, just, I like that uh, one too. Yeah, I really like that song. Um, I do, I know, I don't Uh-oh. think, oh, yeah, I know, I don't think you like um, She's a Clown and Man of Sorrows, but Man of the Sorrows, I, I'm so happy to see Dave Murray, you know, just having some input. But I, yeah. love, I love that opening singing with Bruce is. And it is sorrow, sorrowful, just you know. Sure. I just think it's, uh, I love it. I just think it's so atmospheric, and I love the song as well. I think it's like a big opera, like a slow opera that's heavy and yeah. And um, I, I really like it, you know. Yeah. So okay. that, that song is a bit of a standout for me as well. And um, yeah, Empire of the Clouds. Yeah, nah, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I I don't hate any of those songs. I I was just talking to Matt about it. I think I might have said it on the last week's episode. I said, but I think after Shadows of the Valley, you 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 could have cut the album right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Empire of the Clouds is a big, big song. It goes a lot of places, and I like it. Um, uh, but like Tears of a Clown, and like it's a slow song. Then you have yeah. Man, the Man of Sorrows, the next song, another slow song. Then, yeah. then the last song starts out and it takes a while to get going and it's just like, eh, I think it wasn't good placement. They really shouldn't have had two slow songs together or even two slow songs. Like, yeah. I don't know. But I think it pulls the album down to a degree, but it is what it is. I think it's safe to say we're really glad they didn't stop there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So tell me tell me about Senjutsu. What did you think when you – okay, well, uh, you know, we had the big buildup, you know, yeah. the whole uh, – Belshazzar's feast and the clues and all the stuff that was going on. And so it, it was a huge buildup. So after all that buildup, when you heard the album, were you disappointed? No, not at all. It was funny. I, I was in Sydney listening to, um, I think it was an episode where you were talking about the cover and this, uh-huh. you had all the track listings, but you hadn't heard the songs. And so yeah. you, you were all talking about um, what you thought the songs were going to be about, which that was James. Was, that yeah. was James doing that. Okay. And I thought that was hilarious. I'm, I was walking along this beach looking at the surf. I'm just thinking, I can't believe I'm listening to, to a conversation about what something could potentially be as, as opposed <laughs> to what, you know. And I thought it was hilarious, but I, I listened to it and I loved it. But, but um, um, yeah, I mean, the first song, obviously, that dropped, you know, Riding on the Wall, which I'm sorry, but that's my least favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. It's. Um, mm-hmm. But having said that, like I think that was one of the last songs I was listening to tonight before, before you know we had a chat because I, yeah. I was actually listening to the album. And um, well, actually, I, I've listened to. It's funny. I thought I need to listen to two Iron Maiden songs where everything in between is good. So I listened to Prowler and then I listened to um, Hell on Earth. You know, so <laughs> so everything between that's pretty good. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, but I sort of um, 
yeah, you know, it's grown on me a bit, but it's um, yeah, it's just a bit different. I think it's going to grow on me a bit more. But I remember yeah. everyone getting really excited about, oh, it's going to be so good when it's played live. And I heard Adrian Smith on in an interview, you know, talking about it and everyone talking about how good the solo was, which you know, I didn't think it was up there with his best solos, me personally. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah, you know, yeah. But um, anyway, that's my opinion. So that didn't – I was a bit worried when I heard that song because it didn't appeal to me straight away or it didn't feel like it was Iron Maiden. Sure, sure. Straight away. Like Stratego obviously is like uh Oh man is is like speed of light, you know, that sort of typical one you'd expect. And that is such a good song. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um the start of the album, I mean I I think you 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 like that. The drums and the the sound, the product Kevin Shelley's just done a great job again. It's just Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, the whole the whole honestly, but I it's right up there with my favorite Iron Maiden albums. And I know it's still really, really new and you need a yeah. few years to sort of let things go and then revisit, yeah. like with Book of Souls, because I would have put that right up there and then it's drifted down. So, But yeah. I honestly cannot see that happening with this album because I, I, just, I just love it. I, it's I, a yeah. huge step it, up from Book of Souls. Uh, I think so, for sure. It's, um, it, you know, with obviously with, with Steve's trilogy, at the end makes it a long album again, like the other yeah. two minutes. but. But somehow, uh, like when I when I first heard the parchment, I was thinking, oh, here we go. This is like the red and the black. And I, I honestly, the first couple of times I was making those comparisons, and especially with the way the guitar follows the um, you know, the the vocals or, or vice yeah. versa, and and the way it holds it. And I thought, oh, but something wanted me to keep on, you know, listening to it. Yeah. Uh, well, as you do, and and something just I don't know a couple of months later, something just clicked. And now for me, it's just a phenomenal song. I just love it. And I've, I've been hearing other people saying that, thinking, oh, I don't know. And now oh, it's yeah. like I'm so, so slow. And like I finally caught up. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, wow. It really is a, a, just a great, great piece of music, you know? Yeah. 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 I de- there's definitely that sentiment out there that the parchment is the best song on the album. I've seen that. I I still hold fast to Hell on Earth being the best song. Yeah. On the album. But it's, you look through that album and it's not like, like, talking about book of souls. I mean, I look at book of souls and I can go, eh, that song is not as great. And this song is not, I mean, I can look at a lot of albums and say that, but since yeah. you, so I look through the whole album and there's a couple that aren't as, as strong, but they're still strong. So yeah. You know, yeah. I think, I, did, okay. I think I mentioned to you that about my friend, Simon, who I was doing that long trip with, you know, and I was, yeah, I really want to play some I made and I was really worried about what I was going to play him because he's not into, into that much music, well, he's into music, but not not heavy metal. And I played in Darkest Hour, and he was just like, "Wow, blown away!" And then he was listening yeah. to the other songs I was playing, and he was like, "Wow, I can understand what they're saying. This is I didn't know, didn't know, you know, I thought heavy yeah. metal, you couldn't understand what I was saying. It was like, oh, believe me, there's a whole new world you can discover here. Oh, but, man, uh, even he, he appreciated the sentiment and the, and the and the and the poetry and the lyrics, which was, you know, just oh sure, they've always been great. Yeah, yeah, I think I think this album has some of Steve Harris's best like lyrics yeah. in years. Like yeah. going back to going back to probably matter of life and death. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely it's, yeah, it's quite yeah. complex. Um, do you, do you know what the hell the parchment's about? <laughs> um, I think it's uh, I think James said it's about a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> And a, and a, and a felt, one of those, uh, one of those, what do they call those pins? The, uh, uh, yeah, be- quills. yeah, yeah, quill pin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did hear it was pertaining something back to, um, something with, oh, anyway, it's, yeah. I'm, yeah. 
yeah. Maybe know, maybe they'll play it live and then Bruce can say what it's about. <laughs> Tell us what it's yeah. supposed to be. Like they said in Spinal Tap, it's just best left unknown. You know, best, yeah. best left not, not investigated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, okay, I've got one more question for you. Sure. But it's kind of a long question. It's a, uh, and I'm going to let you choose. I don't, I've, this is the first, <laughs> this is the first that I've ever done for anybody. So I'm going to say favorite or least best. You pick that and then we'll do, and then we're going to do a lightning round here. Okay. You're going to choose your favorite or least favorite song from every album. Oh, okay. Radio. Okay. Do you want least or do you want favorite? Sometimes it would be easy to pick least because there's so few bad songs that that narrows yeah. it down. But there's so many good songs. But I think I'll take the hard challenge and maybe go for my favorite. Okay. Okay. So, but remember, it's, it's always on the day, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Th- this could change tomorrow. So, or actually, this could change when you hang up the phone. So, <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Here we go. So we'll start out with. Uh, the self-titled album, Iron Maiden. What's your favorite song on it? Okay. Uh, it's, I, I, I'm going to say Remember Tomorrow. Um, okay. Which is probably unusual because it's, it's a ballad, but the thing is that set the blueprint for their slow start, fast oh, yeah. finish, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I, I, but I love Strange World. I, I just think Strange World is such a good song. Um, some, of, some of these, my picks are probably going to be tainted by some songs that you've heard so much that you sort of, you know what I mean? You've become a bit... Soft but that's to, like I said, that's yeah. what that's why it's today. That's why it's yeah, today. Okay, so, good point. All right, yeah. Killers. Um, I reckon another life. Another um, life. Okay, I really love yeah. that version on Beast on the Road. Oh, oh, I can't remember that, but I just love Dave Murray's. You know the way it kicks into his um, just the way it take you know the solo at the start before the song even finishes. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, starts or whatever. Just I just love that build up, and then it does it the second half of the song as well. Yeah, really good. Number of the Beast. Um, I, look, even with how many times I've heard it, I think I'm going to have to say Hello Be Thy Name. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, yeah. I, you don't I have to, ju- you don't have to justify any of these. These are yeah. just your choices. And uh, I, I've, had a, I've had a change recently on, uh, on Number of the Beast for my favorite song, which I think I said it on a podcast and it kind of shocked a couple of people. It shocked Matt for sure. Oh, so, what was that? Children of the Damned. That's what you changed to? Yeah. Oh, yeah. from Hallowed by their name. From Hallowed. I, and oh, that yeah, doesn't no. mean Hallowed's not phenomenal still, but. No, no. no of course not. I it just, is a that, good, I mean, it, yeah. the intro to that song it just isn't, is so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So, and the guitar solo that, you know, Dave's that. solo, it comes along. Yeah, so good. Yeah. This isn't me, though. Beautiful. This isn't me. Let me, uh, I'll double <laughs> the time here. So, Peace of Mind, what's your favorite song? Um, I've got to say, Where Eagles Dare, just for its depth. Just okay. Fits, you know, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, okay. just amazing. I love it. I'll never get sick of that. Okay, okay. Power Slave. Oh, so hard because that's you know probably my favorite album. Just ah. um, and I, like I lo- like for me, I love the Duelists so much, and I love Back in the Village, um, you know, and Flash the Blade. Obviously, the classics too. Yeah. Um, but and, oh, Back in the Village, God, it's such a good song, but. I'll go to Power Slave, you know. There you go. Yeah, for sure, Power Slave. I was hoping you. I was hoping that's what you would choose. So yeah, I'm in the middle section with those. It, it, oh it's yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Somewhere in time. Um. 
I'm going to pick Alexander the Great, but okay. I've got to, you know, Sea of Madness and and Ooh, not caught somewhere in time because of the probably because of the solos, not because of the chorus, but Sea of Madness and I'll, I'll say Alexander the Great. Alexander the, the Great. Yeah. Okay. So the next album is Seventh Son. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say Moonchild. I, except, like I love obviously Moonchild. It's between Moonchild and Seventh Son, but I'll say Moonchild. Okay. Can't argue that. Man. I can't argue that. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot argue that. Okay. Now it's going to get a little more difficult here. No prayer <laughs> for the dying. Yeah, so what's the next album after that? Uh, no. Fear of the Dark. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'd say, like, no, no Prayer for the Dying. I like that song. It's got, it's beautiful. Like, I love the melodies on it and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Running Side Run Deep is not, not too bad. Mother Rush is not too bad. Um, you know, Tail Gunner is all right. I remember, obviously, you were in the same <laughs> show. I remember seeing the yeah. opening with Tail Gunner. You know, Holy Smoke, I couldn't go to the video clip. But but no no Prayer for the Dying. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good song. I'm just going to say we were sitting next to each other. That's what I I'm going to say. We we I probably know. were. <laughs> I was probably like, hey, man, this guy must be from Australia next was to me. Was that you that nudged me? Was that you? Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> okay, uh, Fear of the Dark. Now, this is a difficult one, but well, it's not difficult because there's, there's so few good songs on it. <laughs> um, it is. I I reckon, uh, well, I was going to say Judas Be My Guide. Um, mm, good call yeah, if you say so, that. yeah. I've never been that big on, on, well, not too many things on there. Like, like I said, don't mind wasting life. Fear of the Dark's not as big to me as it seems to be to everyone else. Like when they did yeah. that, um, that that show, uh, you know, it was somewhere back in time. They played Fear of the Dark, and it's the only song they played that wasn't part of that. And I was just like, oh man, if you're going to choose that, I could have yeah. chosen. You know, why would you choose that? But it's because it's a good sing along. It's a good sing along. Yeah, I guess so. It just shows how popular yeah. these other people. So fair enough. Yeah. Now, now, can you give me one for X Factor? Are you are you familiar Absolutely. enough? Okay, go well, ahead. I can, I can. Thanks to thanks to 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 Bruce. You know, I'll I'll choose. Um. Uh, uh, oh, I was going to say, Lord of the Flies. Yes, exactly. Because that live version he does yeah. on that uh, on whatever it dance on the uh, Death on the Road is so so awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about a uh, 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 virtual eleven? Um, I'd say uh, probably the Klansman. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, now, now it gets really tough. Yeah. Because of um, the, the, but oh. by the way, while we're talking about that, that 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 show that Andrew did just quickly with um you know with um Comets Los Amigos and the yes. whole thing about the Falklands because. Growing up in the eighties, for me being in Australia, it was really big on the news, and that sure. whole thing was just fascinating with the whole Britain Argentina thing. And uh, that was a that was a beautiful show that he did. And I oh, still yeah. don't like think that song is that good, but it's um, yeah, but, yeah. But the actual that that show was fantastic. <clears throat> yeah. It's I really like that song. It's 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 got a lot of meaning to it, and you know hearing. Hearing Blaze talk about writing it was really cool. I, it's one of the questions I actually asked him about was was how he wrote how he got that song and, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Andrew Andrew did a really good job on that and sounds yeah. like it, it sounds like you're a if I asked you who was your favorite uh, a host of mine on the podcast, it sounds like you're an Andrew guy. But <laughs> oh, you know what? Pick and choose. We're all I Andrew did. guys on this podcast. <laughs> we all <laughs> like him best. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to uh, say that, but the, everyone brings a wonderful quality. But I think with Andrew, that shows the fact that 
I think it's the way he presents things and the, just the yes. work and the detail. And even Absolutely. though he lives in Australia, he's got that English, you know, that sort yes. of university accent. And and he, he, and he um, and he, yeah. So the way he presents it is just, yeah. It, it's it's you sit there, sort of just it's, it's quite riveting. It's it's really good. It's it's oh, very yeah. it's you know. And that's like I'm not going to blow blow wind, but I think um, the fact that you've got a podcast where it's about Iron Maiden and the fact that you can have you know, shows like that that go for an hour, hour and a half on on a subject of Iron yeah. Maiden, but goes into depth. It's just brilliant. So I don't know how that happened with you guys, but it's I'm so glad it did because they're you know I love history and I'm yes. really into lots of stuff. I do a lot of reading, and so I find it fascinating. And it's it's yeah, beautifully presented, really well done. Yeah, it was. On, it, I'll tell you really fast because I had talked to him about being a co-host, or I don't even know if there's that. I think I just talked to him about. Something and I said, if you have any ideas, you know, I think I said it on the podcast. Anyone has any ideas, anything you'd like to do, see, blah, 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 whatever. And yeah. Andrew is the only person that sent me a message and said, Hey, I've kind of had this idea for a few years of talking about the history behind Iron Maiden songs. And it was that easy. And when he said that, I just was like, Oh my God, that is incredible. <laughs> like, like you, yeah. you, you think that would have been a natural idea anyway, but yeah. And I was just like, and and he also topped it off with this. I'll do all the research. And I, as soon as I was like, you had me right there. Because <laughs> I was like, if you're going to expect me to do the research, then this ain't going to happen. <laughs> so, But yeah. It's, it's, it, is a, it, it is a big punt to take there, isn't it? Because you're sort of thinking, yeah. well, it's not a main podcast. People, so are people going to be interested in that sort of stuff? But yeah. Oh, I, you know, I knew I was interested. Out. I knew I was interested. Yeah. And uh, really... When it got when it gets down to it, that's 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 the main thing. Because if I'm not interested in it, it ain't going to come on. <laughs> so, absolutely. So, of and and, yeah. and people, everybody, I've never heard anyone say, "Eh, could you get rid of that?" <laughs> the people are like, "Hey, can you get more of that?" That's what people say. So, okay, so let's get yeah. here. Brave New World. What's your favorite on Brave New World? Uh, I think it's going to be well, as much as I love the way Wicked Wicked kicks in. I think it's going to be um, Nomad or Nomad. Okay. I think mainly okay. because, I mean, first, it's not longest, it's almost longest, but like that whole middle bit where it's just music. Because the start is so sort of slow, and I thought, is he going to sing? This is an instrumental. Is he going to sing? And um, I thought, this is like really mature. Wow. And then he starts singing, but they have got that slow build up in the, in the middle, and it goes for ages. I thought, wow, this is just fantastic. Rather than just kicking <laughs> in, like following the, the usual structure, that was the first time I heard them actually have a, re- you know, really just take their time. And, can I um, tell you, that, can, you know this, right? Yeah. You do know right. that's, you know, that's a Beckett song in the middle, right? No. Do, 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 no, Oh, yeah. No. Yes. That, the lawsuit for Hallowed Be Thy Name included the Nomad. Are you trying to take my enjoyment away from this song that I love? No, no. But, but I, but I am telling you, it's almost verbatim. Do, oh, really? I wish I had it queued up on my phone. I'd play it right now. Oh, wow. Listen, go. I'll send you a link to the song. You just listen to the whole song. There's lyrics from Hallowed Be Thy Name and there's music from The Nomad. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) Okay. So what about Dance of Death? Uh, Dance of Death, I'd say probably the song Dance of Death, I think. You know, that's an absolute, um, yeah. Yeah, Dance of Death. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Now the next one's even um, tougher. Matter of uh, life and death. Oh well, 
Uh, it, right now, it's definitely Lord of Light. Lord, hey, can't argue yeah. that. Cannot oh, argue I that. I, I just love it. But like I said, just those solos or Dave's solo. The way, uh, sorry, Adrian's solo. The way he just finishes in those high notes and then kicks into Dave's. And um, the lyrics, are just yeah, it's just a beautifully structured song. But then again, all of them are on that album. So yeah, you know, yeah. it could it could it could be many songs on that album. But yeah, Lord of Light, absolutely happy okay. with that for sure. Okay. Final frontier. Oh. Oh boy. I. Yeah, it's it's um. You said it already. You said it earlier. Yeah. No. I. I. Yeah. I did. So I'm going to go with that. Starblind. Um, okay. Yeah. Starblind. Yeah. For sure. Incredible Bo- song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Book of Souls. Um. Oh, what did I say? Uh, yeah. Okay. Book of Souls. Book of Souls. I'll say. Okay. Title track. Yeah, easy just enough. For, just for that. Yeah. That sort of offbeat. Hi-hat. Oh yeah, you know, just, yeah. I just love it. Yeah, just love it. Yeah. Now, now, this is the very last question for you. Okay. What is your favorite song on Senjutsu? Okay. Um, this is really hard because I was just talking about the parchment and all that sort of stuff, and and I love Hell on Earth, and mm-hmm. you know, this is it's when I first heard Lost and Lost World, I just loved it, and then it was like, oh. I, uh, you know, it's like okay. I sort of went on to other things, um, but I've got to say, I think I'm going to say "Lost in the Lost World" just because I love the way the guitars follow. You know, and I love that whole okay. end, uh, the whole end where he's just like rips through all those lyrics where there's you know it's really quiet and soft. And I've never heard him. It's almost a whole song's worth of lyrics. Just like yes. sort of yeah, and that wind down, that wind down. I just love. You know, I just think it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's, I so many, the, there's so many highlights to that album, so it, it's it's yes. really hard. But but yeah, but I love that song. Yeah, man. yeah, it's really good. That's really really yeah. really good one, man. And That's... Uncle Steve, honestly, the start, you know that yes, that start when I first heard it, with the echo. And, yes, oh, I, uh, it's just phenomenal. I still can't believe they're 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 writing songs like that. You know, at this point in time, it just blows For, me away. Forty years, forty yeah. years into it. Yeah, or thirty-eight beautiful. years, or whatever it was. Just yeah. golly, yeah, I know it's it's amazing, amazing. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, well, Mark, <laughs> we've been on the phone for almost four hours. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I, look, I have really, really, and I I always enjoy these conversations with people. But man, yeah. this has been a, a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed talking to you, getting to know you on the phone, you know, getting to know you through the messages and everything like that. Um, But seriously, thank you for your time. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for writing in and, and and sharing everything. And, and, and you signed up on Patreon too. And yeah, for sure. And, and when you, when you said what you said, I thought that was so cool. You were like, a lot goes into the show and I'm happy to support it. And I was just like, wow, that's so cool. I yeah. really, I really appreciate that, and I really appreciate you. The most, the most valuable thing you can give is your time, and you've yeah. spent four hours with me here, just about. So I really appreciate that. You know, I've, I've really had a blast talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, I really, you know, I appreciate that, Uncle Stephen. It's been, you know, an absolute pleasure to have a chat with you, and it's been really enjoyable. And honestly, like listening to obviously the depth in the shows and like the stuff we've talked about. That's why I thought, you know what, I've. I guess through the podcast, I've just rediscovered so much, even though I was always into it. But you know, those little little hidden things, like I was talking about with uh, 
with um, the final frontier and stuff that wouldn't have happened. Sure. It's like, my God, that's just worth, that's worth anything. So, so um, yeah, really appreciate it. Keep up the great work and, um, and keep your passion. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, mate. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So cheers, sir. Yeah. And remember it is Anzac day. So uh, just have a, have a um, quiet thought for all the people that have, um, that have lost their lives or fought in the wars all around the world, irrelevant of what country and just have a quiet little, bit of silence for them as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can't end on a better note than that. Thank you, man. Yeah. All right, mate. All the best. Yes, sir. hope you enjoyed hearing Mark's story because he had a good story and it's really, it's like I said, it's always cool to hear from all these different people from all over the world. All of the stories are similar in certain ways. And, you know, and it's really cool to find out, like I said, that me and Mark were actually attended the same show at one point and were sounds to me like we were in the same section. But um, with all of that said, on behalf of myself, on behalf of Mark and on behalf of Iron Maiden, Eddie and the boys. in life are bad they can really make you mad other things just make you swear and curse when you're chewing on life's gristle that grumble give a whistle and this'll help things turn out for the best and always look on the bright side of life So we'll just get into what Uncle Steve listened to easily. Music. Last week's episode was called The Dark Side of 
Iron Maiden and Kiss. If you listen to the episode, you might have heard a little bit of The Dark Side of the Moon in there by Pink Floyd, which I wish I would have edited a tiny bit differently at the beginning. But either way, I ended up listening to The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd last week. And I got to admit, it's the first time in a long time that I've listened to the full album. And I found myself getting a little bored with it. Like there were, there were certain bits of it that I just absolutely loved, but there's just a lot of little weird intricacies going on that I just was, I was just like, let's just get on with the music. So, but there's some, there's some fantastic stuff on that album though. Uh, from that, there's another, there's a band I used to listen to called the listening. And I listened to a few of their things. I listened to their something called the listening EP the Listening LP, and one called Transmission One EP. So two EPs in an album. I listened to an album that I haven't played in a bit by Iron Maiden. I listened to Senjutsu. And it's it's been a while, and I had some interesting thoughts about it as I was listening. I enjoyed it a lot, and it's, like I said, it's the first time in a while I'd heard it. So... Um, I also listened to an old uh, staple, a new old staple, ACDC. And I only listened to two albums by them last week because I got, I got, as you're going to hear here in a minute, I got kind of hung up on one band. But I listened to High Voltage, great album. And then I listened to one that I've just downloaded kind of recently. It's been out for a good while. Uh, it's called, it was an album called Bonfire. And it's a... Bon Scott only album. Like there's, they put out a live VHS video back in the day. It was called Let There Be Rock. And I remember watching that back in the 80s. And part of that is on this bonfire thing. It's got that, it's got two CDs worth of that. And then there's, I believe there's one that they're in the studio doing a live recording in a studio, like an Atlanta and Atlantic Records studio. And then there's another one where there's a bunch of, I don't know if they're not outtakes, but they are uh, demos and things like that. And then I think there's some other things included in that set as well that I'm not familiar with, but I just was listening to the Bond Scott stuff. All I listened to too was one of, I listened to the first half of the Let There Be Rock live in Paris. And it, it's really good. Really, really good. Um, and then another band that I listened to this week, and it's it's been a couple of years easily, probably two or three years since I've listened to any of their albums. It's a band that I did a deep dive on a while back. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I get into this mood where I think I like all of the songs I hear on the radio by a band back in the day. Like I say, it was classic rock radio because this is definitely, definitely that era. And I would always think, I like all of these songs. And so I, one day I just said, you know what? I'm going to listen to their albums. Go at least start with the first album. Because there's a couple of songs I knew from it that I liked. And I thought, let me just listen from there and see if there's anything, any deep cuts that I like. Because to me, if all you can like is the radio songs, then I'm not really that interested in following that band. But if, if I can listen to an album and find deep cuts that I like, that's what I'm interested in. That's that's when it that's more interesting. So... I pulled out Steely Dan. I was it was funny because I was actually, and I I'm not going to be able to tell you what the album was, but last week I was driving cross country with my job, and there was a guy in the truck with me, and 
We were talking about music a little bit. He, because I, when you drive cross country with somebody, it's generally one guy's sleeping in the back and the other guy's driving, and then vice versa. You just swap out every so often. So I got up and I was up for an hour and a half or two while he was still driving, and he was up there just listening to music. And I really didn't care for it, who it was or what it was or whatever. It didn't. Well, it, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was just. It seemed kind of country music ish, but it wasn't. It was like a rock guy doing country a little bit. It was who he told me it was, was there was, there used to be a band called urge overkill. And I discovered that they have a song on the, which soundtrack is it? The Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Uh, It's like, girl, you're not a woman. You're not a, you're not a woman anymore or something like that. It's, it's the scene I believe where Uma Thurman is getting ready for the date with John Travolta. But, that's the singer. He said it was the lead singer of Urge Overkill. And for whatever reason, he was playing this album. And I didn't, you know, when he was play- when he told me that, I was like, oh, okay. But a song came on and it was a cover of a Steely Dan song. And it wasn't turned up really loud. So I was like, oh, you turned on Steely Dan. He was, no, 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 that's a cover. And then he turned it up a little bit. And so we was listening to it. I was like, that's a, it's a pretty good cover. So I had, that song got in my head and I just thought, you know what? Whenever I start driving, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some Steely Dan on. It just so I listened to their first album called "Can't Buy a Thrill," which is excellent. And then I moved on to the next one, "Countdown to Ecstasy," which is excellent. And there's you know there's a there's a there's a not a, I wouldn't call any stinkers on here, but there's a few songs that I don't love as much as some of the other ones on here. But I it's enjoyable to listen to. Then I went to their third album, Pretzel Logic, which I love. It's a good one. Uh, Then I went to their fourth album, Katie Lied. Enjoyed that. Went to their fifth album, their fifth and my favorite, my favorite Steely Dan album called The Royal Scam. Really enjoyed that one. Uh, Their, let's see, that was five. Their sixth album, Asia. And that's a good one. I think it's a, it's probably their most famous one. And then their sixth, seventh album. And these are all from the, these are basically from 71 to 1980. This album, I believe, came out in 1980. They had some record label issues. Uh, Gaucho. And I started listening to their album that they put out when they got back together in 2000, but I didn't get through it. But I really, really like listening to these guys. I, I was actually playing this in the car with my wife the other day. And, and she's just like, you have some really interesting musical taste because this is just not something that I would normally listen to. It's not hard rock. It's it's got some jazz in it. And it's just it's definitely out of my wheelhouse. But the harmonies on these songs and all of their songs tell stories. And it's it's really cool. It's really cool. There's little nuances that are in there, and I enjoy them. So that's what I listened to this week. So what podcasts did I listen to? podcast I listened to. Um, we talked about Carnival of Souls by Kiss last week. So I went back in time. I mentioned one on here. Uh, I mentioned a podcast that that covered some of this, and it's by the Decibel Geek podcast. It's called Albums Unleashed, and they did one with Toby Wright, the guy who produced the album. It was Carnival of Souls Part 1. It's two separate episodes, Part 1 and Part 2 with Toby Wright. Um, good listening. If you, if you like those out, al- if you like the kiss, uh, carnival souls album is pretty detailed, uh, into each song and just what was going on around that time. And 
I will warn, you know, um, it's part two. There's some, um, I wouldn't call it graphic sexual talk, but it's some pretty, uh, <laughs> you wouldn't want your kids hearing it for sure. So just a, just a small, just a word of, just a word of warning. So another one I listened to is one I said I wasn't going to listen to anymore, but I looked at it and I didn't know what it was going to be about. So it was like 15 minutes or whatever. It was called History Uncovered. It was called Richard Kuklinski, the Iceman. And it's just this macabre dude that just was a piece of crap, murdered people, did just really a bad guy. Um, and I said a couple weeks ago that I was behind on my uh, Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast listening. And this week I rectified it all in order. I had gotten a little bit burned out. I'm going to be honest. I'd gotten a little burned out. And so I gave it, I gave it, I guess, three or four weeks here that I didn't listen and uh, probably three. And so this, this one, one night I was driving and I just played the wasting love ep- episode. I followed it with the fugitive. I followed that right with chains of misery. And I followed that one right with the apparition. And I was really, really enjoying it and, and, and getting a real kick out of some of the stuff that was going on. Um, and I, I, I really felt for Wayne as he was listening to the fugitive chains of misery and the apparition. I'm like, what? Just what terrible, what a, what a bad threesome. I pretty much agreed with everything he said. There's a few decent little bits. You know, you'd find some good guitar bits or a little bit of this or that. But man, it's pretty rough. Pretty rough listening. I felt I felt pretty bad for him. You know, and then knowing that he's got Weekend Warrior coming up uh, next week. Ooh. But he's got Judas Be My Guide this week. So that one is, that's a great song in my opinion. So I'm looking forward to what him and Trevor have to say on that one. Let's see. Um, the last podcast that I listened to. I listened to two episodes by them as well. And, and sometimes I got to be in the mood. It's like, I guess it was the way I felt with the, the Wayne's Iron Maiden. I was in the mood for something different and I put on Pod of Thunder and, you know, those guys are pretty crass, but they did uh, one episode called Alice Cooper or it was on the Alice Cooper song called Clones. We're all clones. And man, just those guys are just, they're funny. They say so many funny, I mean, like there's a lot of off color stuff, but man, funny stuff that just... They have a a great chemistry. And uh, the second one I listened to was Airborne, Cheap Wine and Cheaper Women. And I was really looking forward to talking to Matt about this because I think he likes Airborne. And, um, but you know, he's a money guy. He's, he's holding out. So who knows? He may never be back. <laughs> but um, what I was thinking about this guy's vocals, because it's very ACDC-ish, but I was thinking his vocals seemed, I can't remember who I thought it was. It reminded me, it was a, it was a mix of, golly, who did I think? It, it was a mix of like Sam Kinison and uh, I can't remember who else, maybe Blackie Lawless or something. And I was just like, very, uh, very interesting. That guy's, um, he, he was, he had some strong vocals there, so. But those are the podcasts, and that's the podcast and music that I listen to this week. So now we will get into some audience participation. Real quickly, we had the retweets were by Thane of the Woods in Indiana, USA, the Scouser, David Laird in Liverpool, England, his royal dudeness, Dave in the USA, the weekend warrior himself, Andrew Whitnall, the Lord of Sussex, in or near Melbourne, Australia. Papa Luis, the Iron Maiden Encyclopedia in Venezuela. 
and Neil Dalrymple in Bangor, Northern Ireland. Now, the Queet quotes had a few of those as well. We had Jesse, the delivery guy in Illinois. He said, great podcast once again. Enjoyed the various topics. Gary seems like a very cool dude. Really liked his guitar talk. Not a huge Kiss fan, but learned some things I didn't know. Have to check that album. A Matter of Life and Death is also my favorite Iron Maiden album, so enjoyed his review of that as well. The next one up, Asylum, Tales from the Devereaux Diary said, Our good friend Uncle Steve invites Asylum Tales' own Cousin Gary to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone in a mashup discussion of Dark, Maiden, and Kiss albums. Much like Carnival of Souls and A Matter of Life and Death, this sucker is a few minutes too long, but it's a great and fun discussion. Love the scraps. That's Ray's new nickname there, the scraps, because you might have heard Gary say they gave us the scraps. So Now, was the episode too long? Possibly, but the conversation was a blast to have with Gary and Kirsty, so it was worth it to me. Next up was his royal dudeness, Dave in the USA. For his first, he said, Steve talking about how short Ronnie Dio is again. And I'm going to, I'm going to stop real quick with that. If people would quit talking about Ronnie Dio, then so would uncle Steve. But as long as people are going to bring up Dio, then uncle Steve is not going to, uncle Steve is going to just try to annoy people. (laughs) So Kirsty says, well, Dio is taller than me. And then I said, well, how tall are you, Kirsty? We've never figured this out. She tells us how tall she is. And I went, that's okay. And she goes, I know it's okay. <laughs> and I got to admit, I didn't really catch it when she said that, I don't think, on the episode. And it, when I read it back and when I listened back to it, actually, it made me laugh a lot. I was like, yeah, it is okay. <laughs> it just, uh, And then, of course, Dave said that he was howling laughing when Kirsty said that. So, And I was, too. I was, too. Another quote tweet from his royal dudeness he said hashtag iron maiden hashtag kiss steve kirsty and gary from asylum tales do a track by track deep dive on carnival of souls and maidens a matter of life and death if you think you've heard every take on these songs at this point you'd be wrong they come at these albums in a unique way next up the official detention teacher of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, who sadly doesn't really have any work to do this week, I guess, because Matt and Kirsty aren't here to be uh, getting caught. So, when it's watching for lies, you can't escape eyes. Watching you, Gen Maryutani in Chiba, Japan said, So happy that you gave a spotlight to Carnival of Souls. It's completely forgotten by many. Too bad Kiss transitioned from Carnival of Souls, and I agree with that. I also enjoyed you all talking about A Matter of Life and Death, my favorite of the reunion era. This was definitely one of my favorite episodes. Thank you, sir. Uh, next up was the R4 podcast in Massachusetts, USA. They said, great discussion about two overlooked and undervalued albums. 
Plus, thanks once again for the mentions of our podcast. You're very welcome. Uh, next up, the official translator and historian of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, Kirsty in Perth. She said, I'm a Kiss newbie, and I've been listening to Carnival of Souls. Gary from Kiss Podcast Asylum Tales is getting into Maiden, starting with a matter of life and death. Find out how it's going for us. So we'll have to follow up on that news story. Next up was the Honorable Counselor, Sir Richard Holmes of the Ulster Unionist Party in Garvaugh, Northern Ireland. The only official politician of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, for any of you out there that don't know. He says, not the biggest fan of Kiss, but always enjoy these chats. And I like the Revenge album, so now have a compatriot to check out in a similar vein. And personally, I think Revenge, the Revenge album musically was in the right direction, but Carnival of Souls like nailed it also. Next up, the last tweet quote was from the Scouser David Laird in Liverpool, England. He said, great episode. The legacy riff always gets my soul, man. And I agree, man, that legacy riff is awesome. And this tweet was also, this tweet quote was also retweeted by Stephen Herbert in Carson City, Nevada. We also had one Facebook share. Gary Kirk in Northern, Northern, North Carolina said, Want to hear me gush over my love of 80s metal? Of course you do. Thanks, Steve, from Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone for having me on. Kiss and Iron Maiden are a great combo. And I have to agree with that. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. Hey, always look on the bright side of life. Come on. Always look on the bright side of life. Life is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your scene, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, it's your last chance, anyhow. So always look on the bright side of death. I just 